Welcome to Smoking and Toasting. That was a Tarzan welcome. That was good. I love that. I like it. I like something new. It's 100 episodes. You know, you, you are a guitar player in a rock band. I'm sure you've had That's your true. moments behind the mic, right? I have. I have. Yeah? I've done that before. Well, I think I, I don't think run people just, out of the room generally. You just so proved right. us up. That's good. <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine radio uh, program and podcast and what, video cast and Facebook Live and YouTube and whatever else we uh, wherever else we happen to be able to creep into. This is smoking and toasting. Welcome to the 100th show, free for all. Woohoo! Salute. Congratulations, guys. I don't, you guys have to clap because I don't have our little uh, high-dollar sound effects, uh, red sound effects machine <laughs> also, uh, with us. Also, we need us a sound of breaking glass. Just, just make it happen. Right, exactly. Uh, so we are uh, at our 100th show free-for-all. We are live downtown Houston in the One Park Place building. We are overlooking um, the uh, beautiful park of Discovery Green, and uh, almost everybody at the table has cigars lit. And we have a whole bunch of people who are going to be kind of moving in and out of the microphones on the show today, and we're so we're very excited about all of our guests. First, we want to say that we are thrilled at this 100th episode to be brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant, 1814 Washington Ave in Houston, and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. And Jeremiah, by the way, from B&B, is here and will be oh, on yeah, the show. Oh, yeah, he's right inside. Yeah, he doesn't normally need the microphone amplification, but... Uh, but we'll roll with it. So today's going to be a very different kind of show. It's going to be very uh, unstructured. We have a lot of people, as you can see from the table here, we've already got uh, uh, brews and liquor on the table, or uh, liquor at least. And and uh, Joel from Eureka Heights is down on the end, so he's brought tasters from Eureka Heights. Oh, there's there's brews right there from Eureka Heights, yep. right on the table. So we're super excited to just taste. And why don't we just start by having everybody that's here uh, go around, introduce yourselves and what you do and why you were unlucky enough to get an invite to this little uh, thing and feel and feel feel compelled to have to be here? Uh, go ahead, Houston. Yeah, so I'm Houston Ferris. I'm the head distiller at Yellow Rose Distilling. I uh, I got to come over here and enjoy the the, com the camaraderie and the the show because Jason Valentine, our our sales mm -hmm. director. Uh, apparently had someplace else that was more important than where he could be at. So, But with, uh, with all due respect to the sales director, though, you're the guy that makes the whiskey. Oh, yeah. yeah. Jason, Jason's yeah. awesome. He's definitely a lot more fit than I am. Uh, but I got to take a little bit of time away from uh, moving big bags of corn around and getting in a really hot warehouse to... Uh, being out here where it's hot. It's also hot, yes. Yeah. It is also hot. I do, I do want to say I appreciate you guys taking time out of your busy day to smoke cigars and drink with us. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> tough. tough. Tough to do. Christopher. Hey, guys. Uh, I, I, my name's Chris. I, I co-admin the Houston Bourbon Society, and I, I run a little, just a little whiskey festival here in town that you guys were a part of. A I, little whiskey festival. I, I heard y'all's Only the best festival. one in the U.S. That's all. I heard y'all's kind words on last week's episode, and I did want to, to say thank you. You guys were very sweet, but uh, yeah. Hey, we were there. We know we know what we saw and tasted. So, but yeah, that's why I'm here because you guys like to drink with me, and I, I enjoy your presence. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, we appreciate it, Chris. You are, I believe, you and Mark Nichols are tied for most appearances on the show. Mark is supposed to be here today, but should he happen to not make it? Because he hasn't. He hasn't How many yet. has he been on? Uh, I think he's been on four. You've been on four. This is your uh, fifth, right? I believe this. I believe. A, no, I think I, this will be four. I think. No, no, no. No, no. No, no, no. Absolutely not. Uh, I believe this is fifth, yeah. Yeah, this is fifth. <laughs> so Mark's been on four. He'll be on five if he's here today. But okay. if he doesn't make it, you will now take I, the I paid the valet undisputed to, yeah. to, to steal his car, so he, he won't be here, I promise you. That's awesome. 
Uh, and uh, uh, you should also mention your show. We're fans of your show. Oh, I, I keep forgetting I do a show. <laughs> uh, uh, Whiskey Neat. I, do, I have a, a similar podcast. Uh, airs on 94.1 FM on Sports Map as well as all your podcast platforms. Whiskey Neat, we, we do a very similar thing where we get together. We talk spirits. And, uh, and you've been a guest on the show. I need to get you both on here sooner rather than later. We'd love, but, we'd uh, love to. I'm still, under, I'm still operating under the assumption that you waited until I was out of town to get Cruz on the show. Oh, that was definitely by design for no, sure. Yes. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was Actually, Chris and I had been planning that for a long time, just waiting for you I to know. go out of town. I wish so. you'd just leave for a little while. Right? Uh, Howard, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you. Um, Howard Sandler. I'm with uh, Caffey Cigars and uh, – I figured they needed a uh, another cigar rep on their show today. I didn't want Alan to be an orphan up here. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I thought you also that I wanted you to try this new stick that I introduced you to, the the Amendola. Well, Maduro that's the one. In Connecticut. That's the one I've lit up here. Right. The the Connecticut from the Amendola. I, I wanted to introduce you to that. It's a new cigar Caffey's making for the Amendola family, and. They're going crazy. We're just we're selling them out left and right. Well, I was going to say I can give you a, an initial thought on the Connecticut, which is um, not as uh, light as I was expecting. A little more, uh, a little more flavor for mm-hmm. Connecticut, uh, which is you know a lot of people. Connecticut will be the <coughs> excuse me. They're they're sort of like first cigar when they're getting into uh, cigars. They don't want to overpower themselves, or if you're having something in the morning with you know with coffee or something, you don't want to like blow yourself away. But this is, uh, I would almost say this is a medium body. It is a medium yeah. body, Connecticut. Yeah, which very nice. there aren't very many of those on the That's market. That's right, That's yeah. the reason that we came out with that one. Really, really enjoying it so far. Yeah. Very I'm actually nice. smoking their uh, Maduro right now that he handed oh, me earlier. Oh, and this is yes. also the Amadola. Okay. Yes, and it's quite nice. It, this is definitely in the medium, maybe even almost to full range right now, although I'm only this far into it, so we'll see what develops. But it's very nice, very earthy. Yeah. Little notes, lots of lots of coffee notes in it. Right, and these, these are blends from uh, Jeff Amendola out of North Carolina, and uh, we manufacture his cigars for him. We're very happy to have him in our family, and uh, I also rep him here in Texas. And is he from a uh, tobacco family? What is his connection uh, to uh, cigars? He's been in tobacco business for quite a long time. Okay, he he's got a number of blends. We're going to be making all of them for him. Very nice. These well, are just okay. the first two. Well, good. You're off to a good start, I would say. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Alan Denny is here with us as well. Welcome, Alan. Nice to be back. Um, you know, I'm the uh, rep for EP Carrillo for Texas, and luckily I'm on vacation this week, so I don't have Lisette and Ernesto going, why are you on a radio show and not out visiting shops yes, and doing your job? Yes. Well, so uh, why are you visiting a radio show and not doing your job, This Howard? is great advertising <laughs> for my product, and I was invited, and I couldn't turn down the, the gracious invitation. Yeah. And, you know, to you sit can, next to you, that is. You can swing by, you can call on McCoy's on your way out, because it's right up the street. So. <laughs> right. Truth, truth. So. You know, McCoy's has been in business a long time. You know, Mike McCoy, that actually owned that shop before, he closed it, opened Mike's Cigar Room up in the Woodlands, and then his son-in-law now owns this shop, but it's... Uh, great mm-hmm. family business but yeah. um you know I'm, i met y'all i guess it was whiskeys of the world a couple of years ago i believe it was and, yes. and y'all had me on and then y'all came down to my previous employer that i don't want to mention on the radio um y'all came down and did a show down there uh-huh. uh chris weren't were you on that one he I was, was on that i one. think so Absolutely. that was one of them and uh and so you know, I got invited for uh, another that was anniversary a, show that y'all did where that I called was a, in. Yeah, that was a very fun show. We had a blast. We had a I really had an good absolute time. blast. And so when, when y'all sent me the invitation for this, I couldn't turn it down. So, of course, well, I love coming and hanging out with y'all guys. And, 
being able to sit and drink and smoke all day sounds terrible. Yeah, well, you cigar reps, uh, all you need to do is turn around and you're at work because uh, there's Kenneth Wynn from uh, from Casa de Monte Cristo. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, so it's nice to have a retailer in. Kenneth, yeah, grab one of those mics and say hello. So I'm, I'm uh, Kenneth Wynn. I'm from uh, Castellan Monte Cristo, uh, formerly Serious Cigars, uh, part of the Altidus Group. Um, just retail market. We have a large humidor in Houston. Um, you know, we're open seven days a week. So I brought some cigars. I brought a couple of Romeos and Monte Cristos, obviously. And then we brought a store favorite, the Esteban Carrera Hellcat. It's one of the you know, favorites nice. that the guys smoke out here. Nice. Um, but, you know, for you guys to try, check it out. Looking but, forward to it. Yeah, I met Ian a while back uh, when he came to the shop because he would just kind of come in and then smoke. And then one day he was like, hey, let's have a, let's have a show. And we did that one show. And yes, yeah, that was a blast. Yeah, and that, was, yes. that was a really good time. So and now I'm here hanging out, smoking with you guys. Awesome. We did your, the show we did at your place was a uh, very important show because that was our uh, that was our hurricane party show. It oh, was admittedly yeah, that's right. after the hurricane, yeah. and, and you guys were fortunate enough not to have taken any damage. Yeah. But yeah. but half the city was still shut down when mm-hmm. we did that show. Oh yeah, and uh, we were able to get to your place and smoke cigars and feel, you know, feel kind of normal for a little while. It was, for a, little it was bit. a lot of fun. Yeah, <laughs> it was uh, was a lot of fun. Well, uh, thank you for coming in, and you guys do have an incredibly large humidor. I've gotten lost in there several times and enjoyed it thoroughly. So. Uh, so very nice. So Joel's here from Eureka Heights. Hey, yeah, Joel, welcome. You got the special sunny seat. That's yeah, right. I'm realizing that, that black is a poor color choice for today. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm Joel Swift, co-founder of Eureka Heights. Uh, we're celebrating our two-year anniversary this month, actually, uh, on the 19th. And I brought a couple of pass-arounds for you guys. Now uh, you have a you have a winning beer from GABF last year, right? Uh, Tell me about that. You mean the gold medal GABF gold medal winning beer from last? Is that the one you're talking about? <laughs> Why, yes, Ian. Why, yes, Ian, we do. It's called Buckle Bunny. It's a cream ale. The best cream ale in the country, some would say. That is a fantastic beer. It really is a great beer, isn't it? Because your gold medal is enough. You actually need me to tell you that. Uh, Right. Well, we were were waiting. He's like, okay, we got the gold. Now if we can just what? get Ian to, one to thing come out and say that it's good, <laughs> we'll it's like, be okay. Ian, like would you mind uh, uh, producing your uh, lighter that you always seem to have? Uh, I'm sorry, not your lighter, but your uh, opener that you always seem to have on your person. Sure. Well, so we can uh, crank open uh, some don't. of that. It you looks recognize. like a pocket knife, but I can uh, open oh, beers with okay. it. Okay. Do you have a, uh, an opener with you there? Yeah, Joe? of course. Okay. All right. Very well, good. Am I an amateur? Well, I thought maybe this would be. <laughs> I thought this would maybe be a good thing to uh, to start with. Is is with. Uh, is with Joel uh, pouring out some of his very fine Eureka Heights. Now, uh, are you? How are you guys in terms of? Are you available retail yet at this point? And so, if so, what's? How do we find you? So we're in bars and restaurants right now. Um, we're we were self distributed for the first year. We're Silver Eagle now. We're in about three hundred and fifty accounts. Okay. Um, and we just got a canning line this year. Nice. So actually, last month uh, we should be in restaurants. I'm sorry, we should be in grocery stores for off-premise sales um, in September. So one more month. That's, that's thank awesome. You. That's so, a big move, right? So I'll be the guy out there that's at the grocery store pouring you little one-ounce samples and telling you how good the beer is. So cans, come out and visit me. How many cans will you guys be able to put out with the with your new canning line? Uh, running out, well, that's a good question. I don't know. It, it, it does about four a minute. I can so, drink so about as four many minutes as you uh, want to. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's forty a minute. That's forty oh. a minute. Oh, yeah, that's a little that's forty a minute. Me. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was just running the numbers but in my head. Give it a try. But no, yeah. So listen, I'm always up to try. So how much time do you want to spend? Yeah, at the brewery, yeah. drinking cans. Right. Is really the question. So nice. uh, while you're pointing that, I wanted to ask you: with your preparing to go into, um, uh, you know, go into uh, grocery stores and and be at retail. How how do you get ready for that from a production standpoint? Is uh, obviously well, you got to pl- you got to crank out more. That much I get. But how do you, how do you know? Like how do you how do you guess what you're going to sell and what you're going to need? And and is it important to run out? Is that a good strategy? Well, I guess it depends who you are. Um, for us, no, we don't want to run out. Our distributor was very specific, very vocal about um, us not getting into market too quickly. Um, that is running out of beer. We want to um, we want to keep our accounts happy, and so um, properly sizing for that was we took a lot of direction from Silver Eagle. Um, we did end up buying a 90 barrel fermenter specifically for this purpose, specifically for canning. Right. So there was equipment purchase in addition to just the canning line. So tell us about this beer that you've opened. So this is Nuke the Whales. This was our original barrel-aged beer. This is a, it's an imperial milk stout on bourbon barrels. Um, It's at about Can I just point out, this is your kind of show. We're opening with imperial milk stout. This is your kind of show. ABV on this. Uh, 12.8. Or well, 12? there we go. I think it's twelve eight. <laughs> Definitely Ian's kind of show. That's yeah. how you start the day. <laughs> mm. Well, I can tell you on on first sip, it's absolutely delicious. It's almost like a mocha latte yeah. with uh, with just that little tease of uh, of imperial uh, you know alcohol burn to it. It's wonderful. Do you guys, do you guys mix fresh stout in with it? We do. Yeah. It's yep. Delicious. Fresh this imperial is, milk this stuff. is fantastic. It's, it's almost creamy enough. You almost you almost think it's a nitro. It's so creamy. It's just mm-hmm. amazing. Now and that's I, a, that's a with about one year of age on it too. I noticed so, you brought it to us in a bomber. Is that how it will uh, bombers and kegs? So bombers this kegs. this is a one off beer. We will probably brew this recipe again. Uh, we have not brewed it since. Um, but but yeah. So from. Uh, batch number two would have is the Moo Moo, which is our Imperial Milk Stout. It's basically our Moo Caliente, if, if you've had that. I have It's had an that. Imperial Milk Stout with cinnamon and cayenne. So these batches tend to not be regularly in production, depending on barrel availability and kind of what we can do. Um, so the first uh, Imperial Stout release... Uh, nuke the whale, second imperial stout, stout release. Well, you guys, it. since you're since you're uh, a smaller brewery and and still you're, you're two years now, um, you get to try a lot of different stuff, right? Sometimes right. you have room for it. Of course, now I know your buckle bunny's probably taking up a bunch of your production, but uh, but you get to try all these different things. Like, how does it go through? I'm just I'm just curious on this process. Like, does someone just go, hmm, I'd like to try this, and it just happens, or? Do you have a whole process you go through? Is it a meeting with a whiteboard? <laughs> it can be, honestly, <laughs> especially in the early days when we were just getting off the ground. But now uh, our head brewer and my co-founder, Casey Motes, is a brilliant brewer. And if you've had um, a Mini Boss, that IPA was just a recipe that he ran with. So we have two IPAs. We have uh, Mini Boss mm-hmm. and Space Train. Space Train was more of a collaborative effort with the team. Mini Boss was really just him taking the reins and running with it, and I, I think it is a, is it is a it is a stellar idea. beer. You're also one of the few breweries that makes a, a, 
uh, uh, the like the Wicked Awesome, which is a ESB. A lot right. of people just don't make an ESB anymore, and I love that style of beer. That's probably my favorite so beer of yours. When well, I see you. when I, I see that. that out, I really try to drink whatever place I am I happen to be at out of that. Beer <laughs> nerds love that beer yeah, because, so to your point, there are not a lot of ESBs lot, in yeah. production, and um, it's not super fruity. It's Four and a half percent ABV, so it's super easy to drink. Easy to drink, yeah. Yeah, but, it, but it's got such good body to it. Yeah, for, good body. Uh, thank you for something that that is that uh, light thank in terms you. of ABV. It's really where, good. Where do you guys get your barrels from? Uh, so Old Forester, for they're all all over wherever we can really source them. The one I'm about to pour, for example, Moo was in Old Forester barrels. Do you know of any uh, Houston? Um, of any Texas distilleries that have used, I've, I just it just occurred to me when I thought of the question. I don't know of any <laughs> beer breweries making beer using Texas distillery barrels, which tend to be a little bit smaller compared to the Kentucky. And uh, I'm curious if there are any. Have you guys ever sold any of your stuff to breweries or? Uh, yeah, actually. So we've we've used some uh, bourbon that we've sourced and taken those used barrels and we've uh, offloaded them to other local breweries. Uh, but I think there's going to be a, a growing market for that sometime soon because a lot of a lot of companies, us in particular, are moving up into larger size barrels, and that means that within the next year or two, you're gonna have a lot of stuff on your hands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Yusin, while he's getting ready with uh, some of the moo, why don't you go ahead and uh, pour us a little yellow rose here of your choice? I don't know where you want to start, but let's uh, let's do a little yellow rose on this segment as well. Got it. Are these any of your more recent batches that you've that you've made? Uh, actually, I have uh, ha- had a hand in uh, both of the products that I've got in front of me right here. Uh, the single malt, which is the one I'm going to pour first, because I know that last time uh, when one of our representatives, when Jason was on the show, he didn't have it. And so uh, y'all mentioned a, uh, a desire to give it a try. Mm-hmm. So I actually enjoyed I the single malt. Uh, um, I had it at the Whiskey Extravaganza, I think, in March. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, you guys still making it or not making any more? So, actually, what we're doing with it now is we are taking everything that has uh, come out of smaller size barrels because previously we were using. You, uh, sorry, I'm passing this sorry, on. I'm not, so a, I'm not an octopus, so Go I can't ahead. really. Um, is it all coming down to me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is Moomoo. Keep these. Is that Moomoo? Nope. Yes. Oh. Sorry, yeah. Houston. No, that's all right. So, our Ala bourbon used to be aged in very small format barrels, and those are expensive, so we wanted to reuse them, and so we used them to age our single malt here. And uh, currently, they have been sitting for two years, and we've just cleared out all of those barrels. So uh, this product right here is just about two years old and used uh, bourbon barrels. I guess I'm going to have some, too. Uh, And uh, what we're doing with it is we're taking all that stuff that just came out of the barrels. We're going to put them into larger barrels, and then we're going to age that for another additional two years. And that means in 2020, we're going to have a four-year-old bourbon, or sorry, four-year-old single malt uh, coming right out of, our, out of our distillery that was made 100% grain to glass. Uh, and uh, I spent a lot of work on this product uh, when I first started with Yellow Rose. This is where I learned how to distill, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty excited to see how it has developed over the past two years. But definitely when it hits that four-year-old mark, it's going to be a pretty interesting product, I think. Well, this is... This has got such great character to it. What? How old is the single malt? So this is actually two years old. It's two years, wow. And it's aged in our used Outlaw bourbon barrels. Nice. Well, I like Outlaw. That's a, that's kind of a standby in my bar. That's a, that, that, that's a really, this, really good bourbon. But what do you think, Ian? This has such a butteriness to it. It really does. Like, there's so great much character. of that. 
super smooth, buttery, like almost butterscotch on the end. Yeah, that and kind of character, and it, it's really kind of geared towards maybe the uh, the Scotch drinker who wants to try something American. You know, mm-hmm. have some little, little bit of local pride here, and it doesn't have the uh, aggressive. You said that pettiness. with a nice little American, right? <laughs> right. American, America, America. <laughs> right? Scotch drinker uh, wants to try a little American, right? America. So uh, it it is very grain forward, and mm-hmm. it's uh, just going to be a, a very straightforward. It's very barley it, whiskey. It reminds me of hay. It's got a very uh, very yellow hay note to it um uh, you know anytime there there aren't many i know single malt's kind of not the focus in america bourbon's like the big focus but it seems like every time an, an american distillery does a, a single malt it tends okay. to be a real punch in the face a real robust intense uh whether i don't know if it's because we heavy char our barrels or what but there tends to it tends to be a whole lot more uh flavorful or robust mm-hmm. compared to a scotch which tends to be more honeyed and and that sweet kind of light, they, they tend to go the lighter note. Chris, do you see um, American single malt uh, growing? I know it, it, it's a, a bourbon is just such the, the thing from U.S. distillers. But <coughs> Yeah, but I mean, you, there's, a few companies, there's a few companies who do it, and there's not actually a defined TTP uh, label for American single malt, but, but it is growing. I mean, Westland does it. And Weston's also one of the few distilleries that I know that uses tap water. They don't even use remote reverse osmosis filtration, so they just they just put tap uh, water directly straight from the garden hose directly into their into their uh, their fermentation. And it, it it's it's a growing category. I mean, Weston just got bought out by uh, Pernod. I always forget them. I'm oh, sorry, uh, Rem- Remy. R- Remy? Yes, that's Remy. right. Remy Contra. That's yeah. correct. And uh, it's definitely growing. I mean, Westland's, Westland in Seattle is doing very well for themselves. Uh, and then Stranahan's. Stranahan's is big. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a hard category, though. So this is a very niche product. Right. Uh, it's definitely going to be something that is somewhat limited in availability. In its, yeah, and its production, I'm sure. Yeah. Right, right. It, it goes fantastic with the cigar. Wow, no kidding. Like, it really like that really up. works well. Good. I, unfortunately, I wouldn't know. I'm not enjoying <laughs> the, the cigars, but I'm, I am enjoying the smell around me. Mm-hmm. I tried. I yeah. tried. I know. I tried. Sorry. <laughs> Speaking of enjoying the smell, this Mumu is incredible. Yeah, uh, I, I passed it down to Ian, and he thought it was leftovers and dumped it in with his his first cup. <laughs> I'll so still drink it. He's his own. He, he's his I'll own. I'll still bro- drink it. At home blending. <laughs> he's doing his own blending over there. But um, so <laughs> it's. I love that. That is it. You said cayenne. Cinnamon, cayenne. cayenne. Yes. Cinnamon, 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 cinnamon and cayenne. cayenne. Anything yeah. that's got Vanilla cinnamon beans. in it, I'm on board. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I just love the nerd friendliness of all of your names. I mean, oh. you mentioned beer nerds, and I'm not really one of them, but I am a nerd. And I love that you have to, you know, you have something, you got to have something to nuke, right? Yeah. Nuke well, the whales, right? And save the whales, nuke the whales. Absolutely. I just feel like one of the things that is, is so creative in the craft brewing industry, you know, the, the spirits industry is, you know, a little more formal with the names. But the craft, craft beer industry, the naming is, has just become one of the most creative things just all over the place. And else. you guys really, uh, really uh, lead the way. I mean, to call a beer Moo Moo, that's. That's amazing well, to me. Thank you for and the you record. Got the cow with the mumu on and the yeah. uh, on the bottle, it's just fantastic. Well, for the record, Casey's wife Lori hates that name, which <laughs> is one of the reasons probably why it got named this. You know? Well, they say uh, what necessity is the mother of invention. Yes, with the beer explosion. Uh, yeah, I, how I'm you gonna sure stand out? They, they, well, you ran out of names pretty early on. I mean, so they've they've had to get creative, and a They're lot of them have been flat out uh, uh, copyright violations of major movies and video right, games right. and well. I will tell you, there's times that I'm standing in the beer cooler wondering what I'm going to try, and I'm scanning the shelves, and I'm like, 
Kung Fu Robot IPA. <laughs> yes, get in my basket. I don't know what you'll taste like, and it turned out to be quite good. Any beer but, with uh, a picture of Voltron on it, I'm going to buy it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Is it Clown Shoes? Clown Shoes has like a zombie horseback. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Something, Clown something. Yeah. yeah. They, they were actually one of the first that I remember to get just absolutely off the charts crazy with the names. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Joel, what's the one you guys released just recently that had the forever long name? Thundercooker Falconbird. Yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> One more time. Thundercruger Falconbird. Thundercruger Falconbird. Falconbird. That's not yeah. the word I heard, by yes, the way. I, I know. That's the right. word. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. There are so many great breweries just in Houston. So many great breweries in Texas. Same thing with distilleries. We've got some great distilleries here in Houston. Great distilleries all over the state. I'm looking forward to some of these collaborations where the distilleries are taking the, the beer barrels and aging and vice versa because – I don't want to mention any names because they're not here, but we had one at the social that was phenomenal, and I can just imagine how good some of these stouts would be. I, I can mention three. their name. I mean, Ingenious. We're all friends here. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, Ingenious in, in Brewing took uh, an HBS Jack Daniels barrel and, and finished a stout in it for three months. And, and that was delicious, too. And it was absolutely phenomenal. I, my wife and I, we've always been – stouts to me remind me of Christmas, right? Yeah. So in the fall – I just all I want is a, a thick, heavy stout that just weigh me into the couch. Yep, and that's what this tastes like. is Christmas. Yeah, exactly. The cayenne, the cinnamon—it's absolutely amazing. And uh, and and the big problem you have with stouts is that soy sauce note if it sits too long in the barrel. So, uh, I enjoyed the three months in the Jack Daniels barrel, and it was a surprise hit. And Ingenious is. Uh, I couldn't support them more. I, I, I love the idea. Whether you do something wrong or you do something right with any distillery or brewery, you're trying. And as long as you're continually trying and evolving, then you're moving in the right direction. All right. Uh, I want to I take a break. All our segments are going to run long today, and that's fine. But before we do, let's try one more of your uh, Yellow Rose uh, 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 samples that, samplers that you brought. You got it. I'm going to reach some over cups. here. I'll right bring here. a few more in case you need them. Yeah, um, so <coughs> what I'm going to be pouring next is our flagship product that I know you guys are already a fan of, and I'm dropping stuff. All right, here we go. All Sorry, I I'm, I'm, haven't had too much to drink. Got to go back or to work smoke. after this. Yeah, or smoke, yeah. <laughs> so our Outlaw Bourbon, we do it a little bit differently. Uh, it is 100% Texas-grown corn. It is aged... At this moment, uh, in this batch, uh, it's uh, about a year old in a uh, 10-gallon barrel. It is, there we go, one, two, three. I think Howard is saying he's out. Howard, thank you for being Howard, here. Howard, thanks again. And thanks for the cigars. This is wonderful. Yes, Absolutely. sir. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, I, I will say the thing that I liked immediately about Outlaw the first time that I had it was how and this may not sound like something that's great, but to me it was how corn forward it was. It's just I, I would hope a, it is corn forward. Yeah, I mean it's just it's just like wow, you taste that immediately, and it just kind of sets the tone for the whole flavor experience. So, one of the things about 100% mash uh, mash bill being corn is uh, that it relies very heavily on the barrel for the additional flavors because corn doesn't provide a whole lot of flavor. That's why a lot of other distilleries are adding in. Uh, you know, rye, wheat. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Some are doing quinoa and stuff like that. Uh, did you? I'm sorry. Did you say quinoa? Quinoa, oh, quinoa. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I, I probably did. I'll, I'll get you we another one. Yeah, we can fix sure. that right away. Sure yeah. So, me. Uh, it kind of functions a little bit like a like a rum in that regard, uh, because sugar doesn't provide a lot of flavor either. Right. It basically, is pure sugar going into it. So. 
over the course of a year, we, we're picking up a lot of smokiness, a lot of spiciness. You can see just in that dark color, because we're not allowed to add any colors or flavorings or right. additives or something like that, that is all the barrel influence, picking up a lot of influence. So uh, we are uh, getting a, a really interesting product. I think this is probably our best release right now. This is batch 18-3, which should be uh, should have been shipped out over the, uh, the past couple of weeks. And uh, I... I'm, I'm pretty proud of where it is, and I'm excited to see where this we're going. Is, this is so incredibly interesting. As I take a sip, the heat in this it's softened quite a bit. It strikes the middle of the uh, the the flavor, so like right in the middle of the tongue. But it's such a gentle and and pretty kind of heat, if that makes any sense. And then the aftertaste doesn't have any heat to it. It just leaves you wanting another sip. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's a it's a 92 proof. So wow. it, it'll hold up when, if you want to add ice or anything like that. But you know how we're doing it right now, that's exactly how I do it several times a week. Is it possible that this is better than the bottle of it that I have in my bar? Is that possible? Yeah, or, I, or is it just the cigar and, and the moo-moo <laughs> and everything else that's, uh, or the, that's the, going around The here. friendship and the, the good friendship. company yes, and all that. Right. Yeah, but maybe. The, the biggest problem well, you have it, when you have this good. many items on the table is trying to drink fast enough to move on to the next while not drinking too fast all at the same yes. time. Yeah. Right. How are y'all going to do it the last segment? Uh, well, <laughs> we'll, we will find out shortly because we are going to take a break. Houston, thank you. These, these are fantastic. And, and, uh, and Joel, I mean, you guys continue to amaze. And I'm uh, I, as, as a resident of Houston, it's such an awesome thing to count you guys as a brewery from our hometown. You well, thank just, you so much. That you're, means a lot. You're so innovative and, and, uh, and on the edge, and I'm so thrilled we'll be able to find you in grocery stores soon. Absolutely. Awesome. All right, we are going to take a break. Some of the guys may jump in and uh, cool off for a minute because it is a little warm out here. My apologies to those of you sitting in the sun, but we do have some chairs over there, and we'll rotate around and bring some people back. I just want, in the next segment, I just want to make sure that I have Chris Hart and Jeremiah Butler from b That's why I haven't gotten up on yet. the same <laughs> panel. Uh, for I got to sit segment, down and talk so. with this guy. I'm All so right. excited. It's Smoking and Toasting. We'll be right back. Yeah, I suggest we put uh, oh, that is a That is a really good cigar. I've had that. I, I've not been crazy about some of the Romeos I've had lately. That one. All right, well, I, I guess I'll join you in that. <laughs> All right, so, uh, yeah, just so we ready? Yeah. All right, friends, let's start segment number two. Thank you for your patience on Facebook Live. Here we go. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. This is segment number two of our big 100th anniversary show. It's, it's the 100th episode. If you can believe it, 100 episodes and no one has stepped in to make it stop. No one has stopped. One no one. What are they thinking? Yeah. We are brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant, uh, 1814 Washington Ave in Houston, and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. And Jeremiah from B&B is joining us for this uh, segment. We're so excited. Absolutely. Hey, tell us about the new bar. What can you tell us? Uh, so um, I really don't know how much. I'll, whatever. I'm just going to talk. What, can, what can you say? Better to ask forgiveness than permission. Okay. Um, so we do have a <laughs> new that. concept uh, opening up across the street from our, our um Foster, like our, our, our foster, <laughs> our flagship founding location, location flagship. our flagship. Primary. Um, but uh, it used to be a little bar called Caddyshack, and so we uh, acquired it, and it's going to be called B&B Lemon, or BB Lemon. Um, really, really cool. Um, I am not sure exactly how much I can say, but I will tell you that the bar food will be incredible. We have a really, really amazing um, executive chef. Uh, his name is Eric Johnson. Um, the guy is awesome. 
Um, so, Great guitar player. Uh, yeah, I'm sure he never gets that at all. <laughs> uh, being from Austin, you know. Uh, uh, but uh, at any rate, um, so really, really cool. We're going to try and kind of keep like just kind of a really nice sort of um, neighborhood pub feel to it. Uh, but it is B&B, so we don't like to do things halfway. So we'll definitely, you know. And you're going to curate the, uh, the bar? Uh, yes, and this one will probably have, um, I wouldn't definitely not look for this one to be the same, um, I guess, sort of idea behind my back bar at, the, at, at, at our Washington location. Mm-hmm. Just from the standpoint that going with that sort of smaller kind of, you know, your, your Irish uncle, you know, his, pu- his, his pub his field. Pub, yes. You know, I, I think about more like, okay, well, what, what would Seamus have on top of his refrigerator <laughs> when I think of, like, the whiskeys that we're going to look because for? Because your Irish like uncle would be named Seamus. There's right. no other name, really, that he would oh, have. Oh, Seamus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And even if he's not, I'm sure that's what he'll, I would call him. He would so. answer to it. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, absolutely. But, yeah, so that, that well, that's um, should be rocking sometime uh, uh, September. Um, but we're really excited to kind of get that one going. Um, obviously, it will be cigar friendly as well. We'll have a really nice outdoor area. Um, Terrific. You know, we, we, we like to support the, uh, the smoking and drinking combination. And for sure, uh, which when is did you say you think you'll be? Absolutely. When did you think you'll, you'll be? Uh, uh, I'm just going to leave it kind of vague and say September sometime. Oh, well, so that's soon. Yes. Yeah. yeah that's, that's sooner than I would have expected. Yes. Well, all right, so we'll be down to do a show. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, 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 of course. <laughs> well, we'll just saunter across the street. Well, and, and, and not to skip over it, I just want to reiterate, it's very, very rare that a great restaurant in Houston is even able to support the cigar environment. Well, and, and what's funny is you'd be you shocked at how many people, they go, okay, what's up with the cigars? And we're like, well, they're for sale. And they're like, okay, well, where do we smoke them? And we're like, uh, on the patio. And they're like, yeah, wait, are, are you serious? Have really? Is that okay? <laughs> like, Have you uh, seen their upstairs patio? Yeah, I've been out there and had beautiful. the pork belly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> can we talk about how fantastic the cigar service is at oh, B&B? Like, it's great. It comes cut to you. They hold a lighter. Like, they literally hold it, tell you to turn. Like, they light your cigar for you. And yeah, it's the most they're, they're, absurd, they're luxurious, amazing thing ever. Yeah, but, well, it's, it's just, it's, it's that one of the things that, and, and I'll give all credit to Ben on this, and this kind of goes to what you're saying, is like with the finer restaurants is, you know, t- to us, it, it, it kind of goes hand in hand. The steak, the, the the whiskey selection, the cigar after dinner, you know, the patio, the skyline. The whole idea is to sort of create that vintage environment, you know, the three martini lunch kind of vibe, you know? Sure. And it's such a dying art. It's a light lunch, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more of a fan of the, I'm good. a big fan of the six whiskey lunch myself. <laughs> I just, Chris, this is the first time you've been on a show. Would you introduce it is. yourself, tell us who you're with? Uh, yeah, Chris Morris. Um, I've been a. Staple of the the Houston bar scene for years. Jeremiah is one of my. Well, I can say that as well, but right. Oh, well, you mean in a different way? I'm <laughs> sorry. Uh, slightly different. Yeah. We, we call that a bar fly. Yeah. <laughs> I was just called a drunk. I, so I don't know. This means I've probably served you many times over the years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but currently, the single malt ambassador for Brown Foreman. For Brown Foreman, Fantastic. terrific. Fantastic. Well, just before we uh, wrap up uh, this currently. conversation about B and B, I just wanted to mention that. Uh, uh, my wife and I, my business partner, his wife, all went to dinner uh, last weekend <coughs> at B&B. And I tell you what, the food was amazing. Um, the service was just impeccable. I really, Jeremiah, only had one complaint, and that I'm going to direct it to you since you are he wasn't the, there. the bar manager. No, he was there. I talked to him, but I didn't mention this. Um, you're the guy that's in charge of what's in stock at the bar. And I asked, but apparently there is no Malort. <laughs> you uh, don't have at, malort uh, at, at the bar. That yeah. is uh, an interesting conundrum. 
I, I assure you, I have plenty of other weird tasting things that <laughs> I was that I was given the thumbs up to bring in. But for, at some for, point, there was a line drawn in the sand between myself and yes. Ben. Well, for anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about, go back and. Check out episode number ninety nine, yeah, where you get to see the look on my face when I tried Malort. For you don't the like Mal- you don't time. like Malort? This was my. Yeah, I'm not sure that him. we can be friends. He had anymore. never heard of Malort. I said, "Don't worry about it. I got the whiskey this week." Yeah, it's a bad guy in the Harry Potter series. I'm ninety. <laughs> yeah, I think that's sure. right. Yes. No, no, I no the House of Malort. You're yeah, correct. Yeah, so yeah, I thought yeah. it was. I thought it was like the juice made from like like orphan bones or something. I think <laughs> I think that's also correct. Yes. This is how I realized I was a little bit different. Is my my first ever trip to Chicago, and this was. 2013, I'd heard the legends of Malort. I knew what it was. And I set out on a mission to find it. To drink Malort old fashions all night. Not even that. And it gets even, it's like the most highbrow, lowbrow story ever. Because we'd gone to Grace for dinner. This is before they had their third Michelin star. Like, they had just opened like four months earlier. And it was like the most incredible meal. And it cost way more than I should ever pay for food. But it was completely worth it. And then we like drunkenly walk across the street to this bar called Haymarket and I see like the bottle on the back bar I'm like you give me a Malort <laughs> and a half pour of Arctic Panzerwolf which is <laughs> a Three Floyds Imperial IPA that's like 100 IBU because yes. I'm like if everything goes south I just need to wash my mouth out with <laughs> hops with the strongest <laughs> hops you can find I yeah. literally just need to crush it and like exercise this evil and like I like psych myself up I take my shot I'm like Oh well, this is rather pleasant. And then I like went back to like sipping my IPA. A lot of people enjoy it, right? I mean, Malort. Uh, sorry, rather pleasant. I, I love Malort. I I, 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 so apparently, so your back was turned. They poured something else in your glass. As, That's the only uh, thing. I, I've drank at least four bottles of Malort just oh my by God. myself since that. As wow. I mentioned, as I mentioned on the show, Malort apparently is not bad. It's challenging like to appreciate. Praying, by the way, <laughs> oh Malort. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I've never had it, but I've heard horror oh, stories. Oh, Seamus. And you spend the rest I, of the night selling Malorts. My, my, Malorts. my uncle Seamus Hart, everybody. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, so I'm, I'm really excited, actually, to get the two of you guys, uh, Chris Hart and, uh, and Jeremiah, because we've had, we've had a lot of people, a lot of guests on the show that we've loved, but you guys are probably – the nearest and dearest to our hearts. So to have you on the same show is, is I've been uh, waiting for this for a very long time. He became my spirit animal with the whiskey bath message. I've been waiting for a long time. You know, I I feel like, I feel like uh, every once in a while, things will go to your head and I feel like I'm involved in the whiskey scene. And then I hear Jeremiah on the show say something that I didn't know. And I'm like, that's, that's gotta be wrong. Oh, Oh, and we have our first. We we had our glass breaking breaking sound effect, which we were going for, uh, because we don't have the little sound effects box. Oh, it was the stem that broke. Notice what he said. That drink, that glass is still usable. By the way, notice what he said. He said, "Look, a Glen Cairn." That's how they're made, by the way. (laughs) He said, "I hear Jeremiah on the show," and then boom, we got the breaking glass sound, which is exactly where we would have put it. Had we had the little, uh, that's right, the, the little sound, the little effects, sound box. effects machine. So it was just, it was perfection. The it, hundred it was shows speaking, very well. Speaking of which, I, I don't, the I production don't on the show is amazing. I don't it's mean to interrupt, but out. my drink is actually broken in, in, in the fact that I actually don't have one at the oh, moment. Well, what, is let, this, what is this thing that uh, Jeremiah brought? What I, got going I, on? I've heard of yeah. it. Lift, so, lift, where are you starting, Jeremiah? So I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead because I, 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 I just can't not talk about this thing yet. Okay, so lift that up and show it to the camera. This is the Garrison Brothers Balmeray. So, for those of you not from Texas that pay attention to the show, um, Balmeray is a state park in West Texas uh, that is an absolute oasis. I'm, I'm going to kind of uh, uh, steal a little bit from uh, uh, Dan's story about it, but 
you know, you're driving through West Texas in the middle of sand and desert and pain and heat and despair, and all of a sudden you, you find this oasis of green trees and water that's just clear as day, and it's amazing. Um, but because the Texas State Parks uh, funding is not exactly amazing, um, the Garrison Brothers, uh, and, and they do a lot of stuff, I, be I, I, I believe... Um, they're working with a specific group, um, but they did a lot of stuff with for, for the Hurricane Harvey relief that they're going to release. I believe it's at a five-year mark. Um, but this particular one, uh, called Balmeray, um, is helping to uh, raise money to help uh, repair uh, Balmeray State Park. Uh, and then I believe it is Shell. One of the. Oh, I'm so sorry if I'm promoting the wrong company, but uh, there's a company that stepped in. Um, that said they would match. So the 60000 that they've already raised with the Balmeray turned into 120000 instantaneously. Awesome. It's a really, really awesome thing for Texas. That would be great in and of itself, <clears throat> but the fact that this bourbon pretty much changed my life last night um, also makes it even last better. Last night, ladies and gentlemen. How do you, how do you feel it's today? It's only, though, right? It, uh, no, actually. This no. is now Class B. Um, I talked to Drew yesterday. Made it happen. Um, they made it happen. The 750s will show up next year. Um, so what they did with this one, um, this is a double barrel aged, which, you know, we all seen a few of those. But what's cool about this one is it's twice in new oak. So four years. Twice in new oak. In a new oak barrel. And then they take it out and they put it right back into a brand new new oak barrel. So which, they put it, they take it, once it's been in the first barrel for four years. Yes. They put it in one that is. Not four years, but brand new. Brand new. Okay, gotcha. Um, so Urban squared. Yes, or, or as Chris will probably tell so the story. So they're finishing it in a 200% oak. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, nice, I like that. Yeah, not good no, that, that comes from an old wine story of mine. It was a, a sommelier at Morton's. Um, and I had a supplier come in, and they bring me a Chilean Carmenere, which is great, versatile grape, super easy drinking. Mm -hmm. And I taste it, and it's just like incredibly oaky. And, they're, and they look at me, and they're like, so this is aged in 200% new French oak. And I'm like, hold on a second. I know math and science. So I'm going to need a little bit of justification. That is here. wrong because of science. And like they literally like put it in a brand new French oak barrel for like 9 or 12 months and then rack it out into like another new French oak barrel for like another six months. So there you go. 200%. Yeah, and they told me the price, and I was like, you can get out of my I'll bar. I'll definitely <laughs> take Amazing. a little 200% yeah. While he's pouring that, I want to talk about the cigar that I just lit up. This is a... Uh, the inch. This yeah. is the inch by E.P. Carrillo, uh, and uh, Alan Denny laid this on me. This is the smokiest cigar I've ever smoked. It's Ooh, you mean in terms it? of its output? Yeah, it's yeah. like look at this is crazy. Watch this. Well, it's exponentially like it's just crazy amounts of smoke. of smoke. The ring gauge is insane. Well, yes. this is more like a like, I love like a nub or something like too. that. Yeah, exactly. Like so, I went I went camping last weekend, and of course, I had to take my. I found out by the way, if you're going to float on the river, a seven by seventy is the right size. <laughs> That will last the entire float. The entire float, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. That wow. would last six months at sea. <laughs> a 70 ring gauge cigar. Along with some of that rum 70. that you have. I have an Illusione at the house. That's do like, you ever have a permit for a cigar like that? Wait, <laughs> ask, or at least ask permission. You, you do have to rent an extra tube for it. Maybe forgiveness. You've got to get a fire permit. You've got to pull a permit with the city of Houston. Uh, I'm waiting for the day I have literally nothing to do. I have an Illusione at the house. It's like 54 by 11. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> Alan Denny gave me one of those as the interest, but they were—I think it was an '86 ring gauge. I oh mean, it was just—and I—I sat there and I smoked it for an hour and a half, and it was an inch down. <laughs> <laughs> an inch down. Well, 
I, I love big ring gauges because, you know, like with me, if I'm going to sit down and smoke a cigar, I love to take the time to do it and not try to rush it or anything. As like. you have often said, right. you cannot, hur- it's not possible to hurry up and smoke you a cigar. You will certainly not enjoy it if you try, that's for sure. And I love a big ring gauge because it really allows you to sit down and enjoy that cigar and you have nothing else to do in the in the meantime. We, we got a nice little a breeze off, going sure. on there. Yeah. I actually once I got just, in a race to smoke a cigar. Oh, it, man. How hard did you throw up? No, oh, it was. That is, that <laughs> is an say. awful idea. No, it, it got even worse because this is back in the day, like the, the high days of the Reddit cigar community. And we used to hang out on Google Hangouts. Just out on, everybody just get, went out on the porch, AOL, got a cigar AIM. and a drink, and like we just hung out on Hangouts. And so everybody's like, on this, Google Hangouts. Yeah, and we just like. IRC, like it's, it's just beyond text? Yeah, basically. Like we all had webcams, but it was all dark outside, so you couldn't <laughs> see anybody. So everybody looked good. And just, just these embers lighting and, up occasionally. And I, I, I'm on there one night, and we get a little too drunk, and there was imagine that. Uh, that I know, seems improbable. I, I tell you, and there was this cigar that was kind of a joke in the community at the time called Ron Mexico. I remember the Ron <laughs> Mexico. He was a joke as an athlete too. But that's, that's <laughs> and so that's that was actually my nickname in high school. So Savage we just get in like this screws. drunk bravado contest, and we're like, let's do Sorry, a not a fan. Let's do a Ron Mexico race. And so we, like, both spark up Ron Mexico's, and we're just drawing as fast. I smoked that entire cigar in about 25 minutes. Ooh, wow. So I won and the race. to tell the story. So I won the race. Yes, but, but you lost it In life. reality, no one actually won yeah, anything. Yeah, there's, no winners. there's no winners in that. No, well, not I, at all. I had a story I didn't have a chance to share on last week's show that an American has taken back the crown, the cigar smoking championship crown, from a Russian uh, but in this case, it's the exact opposite. It's about how long mm-hmm. you can smoke a cigar and continue to smoke it. And there's different and regulations. You have to right, and you have to puff every so often. And and but it's about how long you can keep a single cigar going. That's a certain and, and length those are especially crazy because like the official rules are like you get two matches. You get one to light it and one to touch up. Right, that's, that's it. it. Yeah, that's I, exactly right. I did right. see. You know, speaking of last week's episode, I did see. Uh, New beer release you guys were talking about. Which one? Remind uh, me. The one out of Belgium. A uh, certain special type of yeast. Oh, yes. The, the, uh, the, oh. <laughs> the, uh, the vagina beer. Yes. Uh, yes. I believe that may, that may have been it. Uh, yes. Color me intrigued. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. yeah. Beer made heat, with though, the I'm working on some for you. <laughs> it's basically steeped in women's underwear. Yeah, yeah. I don't uh, understand but the women are underwear models, apparently, as if that somehow makes it better. Well, it, it doesn't. It doesn't, because there was a chocolate company that did something similar uh, a few years back. I don't understand. I, I'm all for trying something new. I love the nuke the whale, screw, right. screw the you know the ozone or whatever beer you want to call it that's yes. also cooked with chocolate, chilies, and boots. Like I'm all for innovation, but some stuff. Just because you can do it does not mean you should do it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, just because you can does not I believe Chris and I said that oftentimes as co-bartenders. Like sometimes there's a point where yes, the technique. It, like we all know we can, but we should ask ourselves if we should. Yes, absolutely. I mean, well, Jeff can you imagine Go- I don't walking mean to up quote to a Jeff bar. Goldblum in Jurassic Park? But <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> walking up to a bar and saying, "Hmm, I just want something interesting." Oh, here you go. Yeah. Oh, I love I that love saying very, surprise very me. Well, I know, I but then you get then you don't want beer. that for your surprise. Then you get no, a Malort old fashioned. Right. <laughs> we decided Malort so, Malort and mayonnaise would make a good drink. As right? wonderful as this conversation <laughs> is, I want to try this uh, this bourbon. Uh, so now, so the Balmeray, like, so when I talked to them last night about this, uh, again, uh, speaking of, we can should we? Is this unfiltered? Um, 
un- see a little flake in it, there. Oops. It is it is absolutely tarry, muddy. So in case you want to know, like I, it is awesome on the rocks, and that's about what happens to it. Wow. So this is incredibly fatty, oily. So it's safe to say it's not it's yeah, uh, non-chill filtered without this, question. This, uh, to the mouth. this <laughs> might have been filtered through someone's underwear or a sock. I don't know. Jesus, but Dan Garrison's socks. Or some yeah, out of middle of Texas. Out Please there. tell me it was Charlie's. Please tell me it was Charlie's. But no, but guys, so the, the thing about this one, not only is the story amazing, but when I tried it last night for the first time, it is everything like monstrous that you kind of think out of, out, of a, out of a release like that. You get every bit of the tannin from the wood. Um, I feel like that there's a lot more like eugenol versus vanillin. So I feel like I got more of the like sort of baking spices as opposed mm-hmm, to the vanilla mm-hmm. honey caramel that you right, would right. typically look for. Um, but and it's just a monster mouthfeel, great long finish. It works incredible with this Maduro. So you know, well, drink I, it up. I don't know if Dan Garrison uh, and I, and I don't know if they'll see this. And correct me if I'm wrong. I, they're here in town, and I told them to tune in. So hopefully they're watching on their laptop. Well, uh, and I'm hoping they can correct me if I'm wrong here. But from what I understand, uh, about four or five years ago, the Garrison brothers changed their their production uh, format. They're aging in an actual rickhouse as yeah. opposed to the, the the mobile units before. Uh, so the the I tasted the 2018 batch via Wade Woodard. If those of you who know who Wade is, uh, and Wade used to work for Garrison's, and I will tell you that hands down, uh, you talk about something that is evolving over time. A young Texas distillery. I mean, they've been doing it for 10 years. That's awesome. Their anniversary. They're evolving in a in a, an extremely positive way. This is good Texas bourbon. 100%. I, I, I don't have any complaints with this. I would put this bourbon this, up against The finish on bourbon. this is so different and so dry and so oaky. It's pretty amazing. I really enjoy that. When you get that deep, bitter, yeah. tannic quality yeah, yeah, yeah. at the very finish. Yeah, very you know, much. Which, like, Oscar Maduro, perfect. Well, I'm, I'm, I have to say, when one of you two guys comes to me and says, this is something really special. Or don't believe it. In in your <laughs> words, uh, this is life changing. Life changing. Last night, I believe, was what you. It, 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 what you said. You, it's going to have to be one of you two guys because the last thing I told him like that was Malord. Was Malord? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So never I, trust I, I, I don't trust Ian at all. Credit. If I hear him say something on the show, I'm repeating it to people. You know? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I okay, no can we be true. can yeah. we be perfectly clear? It did. Malort did change his life. Not necessarily. <laughs> you know, for the that's a very good point. That's a very good point. It did change my life. Yeah. Uh, all right, so wow, I I just have to say wow, I, I'm I'm still trying to sort through all the flavors from this. It's, this it's is really really complex. It's really deep. Um, well, a big part of it is what actually Chris talked about um, is that they are aging in actual rick houses now. So as you can imagine, in the climate that we have in Texas, in high where they're aging, hotter than hell. Yeah, four years in that unclimate controlled rick house is With not a lot of variation. But it's just basically it, with, the hotter it gets, the the deeper in the wood it goes. Yeah. Absolutely, so you're getting a lot of wood interaction. And then you get what wood, two yeah. months of not hottest. Like, no, you get two days and they're and they're six months apart. <laughs> yeah, it's eighty five so, at night, one oh five during then, the day. And then <laughs> yeah. so they take this barrel that this whiskey is like penetrated and come out and penetrated and come out. And then they take it out and they put in a brand new one to do the exact do same, the same process. Thing. Yeah, over. this is. I that's would love. Uh, so, I'll be honest with you. I'd love to taste a, a one year, a two year, because it's about four years, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to taste it every year. Let's do a vertical. Let's talk because um, I talked to them about going up there too high to check out some of the stuff that's Doing still a, sitting. Yeah, let's, let's see yeah. if we can work out. All right. I bet so you between you and I, they might let us come up there for, for <laughs> an afternoon. Open to it. I'm open to it. All right. So Chris, why don't you pour us our next thing that we're going to taste? 
And while you're doing that, and uh, you can explain to us what it is, and then I have a question I want to pose to both of these guys. Sure. No, we're uh, not related. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Oddly enough, uh, none of the three of us are related, even though you probably won't believe that. So <laughs> for, for both of you, it's, uh, it's the evening, you're at home, uh, you're ready to settle in. Uh, this is a bad question. Something. I know oh, where this is going. But how? Uh, not what do you choose, but how. What is your process where you begin to decide? Because I, I, I'm sure both of you have got... You know, very extensive, you know. How many bars. covers did we do at the restaurant that night? Yeah, exactly. My process uh, is. <laughs> right. How do you start the process going, okay, I want something. Now I'm going to figure out what. What's, What's the, within what? arm's reach? <laughs> yeah. So it, my beautiful wife, who's way out of my league, Molly, I hope you're hearing this. Hi, Molly. I could, I could use the brownie points. So um, man with a future right let's, there. Okay, let's clarify that. Way out of his way. league. <laughs> we can't underline that. Way out of my league. Um, we've worked into our routine that we, we almost daily, there's a beer involved and, and that may be, maybe y'all's fault for that, but probably just, you enjoy something cold every now and again. And with my whiskey, I don't want it cold. So, um, we, we almost always have an IPA in the mix every once in a while, a stout and we have a shelf and it, and ulti- and really the process for choosing this specific shelf in our house is the shelf of open stuff that we need to get rid of. Like, it's been open a while, let's kill it. Let's drink it. So it's not any process of Isla Pete or bourbon or whatever. It's like, hey, this is half full. We've had it for eight months. Let's focus on this so that we can actually move some product out of the building to make room for new stuff. Make room for something new. I understand so we, this. Yeah. Our shelf is, uh, right now, I'll tell you that next to my bedside table is a bottle of Red Breast Cast Strength, one of the best Irish whiskeys out there. Delicious. You cannot, I mean, the Irish category overall is 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 generally perceived as boring and there are a few we're about to disprove that by the way well but, yeah. and i was going to say that there are a few a, a few I irish got about five shots of bushmills three days a week that would disagree with that uh, sure i'm never boring with irish whiskey meat. oh wait that's not what you meant not over, anymore over, you don't overall but there are a lot of there are a few irish distilleries conamaro who does Absolutely. really interesting peated items bushmills yeah. both white label and red i actually thought were amazingly great for 30 bucks absolutely uh and slain recently and that's not to they are a sponsor of Whiskey Neat, but I'm, I will tell you that hands down, uh, I, I love the idea of doing a three-cast finished, like just to, a, to really try to liven up that mm-hmm. Irish category. Yeah. And that's where whiskey is right now. You're either, you either change to fit the, the ever-evolving category or you die off and right. no one cares about you. Well, or, or, you're, or you're like a Balvenie, which is just you're so set in your craft that you're the oh, one. They perfected it long ago. Yeah, you're good. the one island yeah. on, the, on the ocean <laughs> that doesn't yeah, have to change. Be all right. yeah, they're, they're good. good. They're good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, but uh, when you said what, what Irish, you I would say Slain and Teeling are probably the two most exciting. Teeling's doing great and uh, um, and, and Redbreast. I, I, yeah. I preach the Redbreast name um, So daily. for my process, there's yeah. actually like not too far away um, because, again, I have a, also a wife that's way out of my league. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate that she's definitely here, so she definitely heard that. I've oh, got to, like, yeah. text my wife and say, hey, listen, I, I talked to you about you. Right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but so mine is kind of more like so, you know, obviously, like, I, you know, like Chris, I get the option. Well, both Chris's, I get the option to taste a lot of cool stuff. So I, I, I get I have a lot of cool toys to play with. For me, sometimes it comes down to when I'm looking at the bottles I have, it's like, okay, well, I don't want to drink these because I want to have them at a later date. Because this is just a normal Thursday night. I got off of work. Right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to light up, you know, like a really basic, you know, cigar and just 
kind of okay. And then uh, kind of one place that I do differ um, from Chris is that uh, I also pick based on if it's like late at night and I'm sitting on the front porch, like I'm going to pick a whiskey that I am going to put ice in. Um, mostly because my palate is angry and aggressive. And so I actually like a little bit of dilution and cool because when you're drinking, you know, 142 proof, you know, bourbon, it, it, it kind of takes a little of the sure. off. And, um, but for me, it's more, I look at what bottles am I okay with replacing versus man, I really oh, don't oh, want to replace my signet. That definitely uh, does come up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it does come up when you're like, that it's bottle big, is more than I want to waste if, right if, now. If, yeah. we dr- <laughs> if we drink the last of these two bottles, that's going to be a big boy trip right. to spec. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I'm going to go ahead and hit up this bullet right. barrel proof right here, and we're going to be great, okay. By the way. Which I can tell you, I can tell you, I totally understand that because I have a bottle of uh, of uh, Jose Cuervo. Reserva de la Familia, uh, in my in my bar, and the first, you know, nine tenths of it went pretty fast, but that last tenth, oh man, I look at it every <laughs> once gold. in a while. Yeah. I look at it every once in a while. I go, oh, this would be so good, but, but then it's going to be gone, and then I'll have to go and like spend the money to. Repl- <laughs> yeah, you me- maybe I'll have a different one. You, you know. remember that phase in your collecting career? In which you loved the bottle so much you kept the empty bottle. Oh man, and, and absolutely! I remember Taterly. it, but not well. And then, you, and then you get to the point where you could build a whole new house out of empty yeah. bottles. Yeah, like, well, and especially when the they started releasing or, really cool bottles like the Willet Pot still. And, yeah, you know. Or like, Chris, to put it another way, you go through that phase and then you get married, and then everything changes. In terms of keeping well, empty had, bottles, let's build, ask Molly about that. Yeah, I had to build. <laughs> I had to build shelving in the garage and hope that she didn't go out there too often. <laughs> <laughs> she did. When I moved in with my with my wife, when we started getting like, a whole room. really serious, it took me more uh, more space and more bags to move like my beer and my whiskey into the house than I did like my clothes. Yeah, I, no, no, I, I, I can attest it. that Chris and Sam had a, an entire their their guest room. Their guests were. Liquor bottles. <laughs> like, I'm telling you, it was a whole room. I saw it painted, it's got red, it's, it's amazing. I really don't know Chris, why you're using the past tense. <laughs> sorry, yes, if, exactly. If it's so it's only gotten more out of hand. And you let me use the guest room, I'm barring the door. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, there's so, like a super comfortable couch in there. You're welcome yeah. anytime. For the love of God, please come drink my whiskey. Yeah. Chris, uh, I, I want to tell you a quick Pet story. The dog. Pet the dog. Ian and I, and uh, Ian's wife, uh, Tiffany, um, were at Reserve 101 doing the planning meeting for this show. And the bartender there introduced us to the whiskey that I think we're about to sample here. Male or female? And, uh, female. Lots of tattoos. Sarah. Shocking. Sarah. Okay. No. Sarah. Okay. It wasn't Sarah. It was... Give me a Troxel? minute. Troxel? Is that who you were thinking? Troxel? Sarah Troxel? I'll think of her name in a minute. All right. Uh, but Troxel, we, we actually have not stopped talking about it. And both... Ian and I were talking before the show. We both bought a bottle this week. Yeah, we did. <laughs> uh, but I'm excited to be drinking some of yours. Where did Slane come from? I'm familiar with Slane Castle in and Ireland. Is there a connection? They're tied That's together? That's literally where it comes from. Okay. Um, so this is a partnership between Brown Foreman and the Cunningham family, who have owned the castle since the 1700s. I think it was 1750 or, or 1780, somewhere in there, that um, the Cunninghams actually took over the the castle itself and of course it's become famous for its rock concerts like every band right. you can ever name is played there and several years back alex and his father were like huh well we grow a ton of this barley 
Can we make about 2,000 tons of barley on the estate surrounding the castle every year? So they were like, well, we drink enough whiskey and we grow enough barley. What if we actually just like kind of streamline the process and cut out all 17 of the middlemen? <laughs> and so they set out and they actually turned the, the castle itself kind of into the distillery. The, the distilling equipment is actually housed in buildings dating back to the 1750s. Wow. So they had to very carefully deconstruct these buildings, put the stills in, and then actually very, very carefully um, put them back. So it's incredibly exciting. I like to tell people Slane Castle is the cooling tower for the distillery. Okay. All the thermal energy goes into the walls of Slane Castle and heats the castle. And do they like st- cheating. Do they still do the rock shows there? Yeah. So it nice. hasn't changed anything about what happens on the ground. Not, just not at all. Uh, what happens uh, in the castle. Now they've got something to drink for the show. Exactly. Uh, Sarah Garcia, by the way. Frank Fernandez shouted out, said it was Sarah Garcia. That, that That's what I said. I didn't hear you. I, most of the time I and don't, big, by the big, way. Big, big shout Fair. out to Frank. Yeah, well, Frank Fernandez, man. Uh, he's got a good thing going on. El Tesoro. Shout out to El Tesoro. Their yeah. tequila was a massive hit at the N- event. New Frank. Yes, new Frank. I love old Frank. We love, we all, I, love, I, I love. I'm just gonna start calling Frank, Frank squared. Wh- whiskey Frank number two. Yeah. Frank shout out K. to Krakenberger for the yellow pel pins. Heck yeah, man! Always yeah. shout out to Krakenberger. Yeah. Well, Dude, like, were you, say, did you see last time when he like crashed the show? No. Yeah, yeah. We were doing the show at B and B, and like Frank he just showed he, up. But well, both of them. So they just showed up. Really? Like, what I'm, episode? I'm, this was like what? Like I will four watch five that. again. But oh, they didn't show up three, empty-handed, did they? they three, never. They yeah, never did. So, now with Maker's so Cast strength for well, everyone. Let's, let's right. talk about that. Uh, but what? Find out what episode it was because I watched ninety-five. <laughs> there you go. Ninety-five. It's Shout out to the wife. <laughs> Woo-hoo. I'll, I'll, I'll watch it tonight. Way, way out of my league. Well, yeah, you were way so way right out of your league. So thank right. you, Doctor Butler. Maker's Mark is doing like a freaking incredible job with a private select program right now, and we just did a barrel pick with them. And I couldn't be more. We we bought we got two barrels of it. It's phenomenal. And for them to show up on the show and bring it in, they did they did a thing at the event, uh, a classroom where they actually tasted through the different. You know, they finished basically they finished cast strength makers mark for six weeks with a bunch of different oak staves. So you could do French oak stave, mocha, all these different staves. And he brought in distillate at different stages of that finishing process, and it was a. It was For those of you who know, the staves are the the little the actual wooden pieces that compose correct. the actual. They're toasted that's what, in different that's ways. What you put yeah. together for the for barrel. barrels. Well, and they're, and they're phenomenal. Hey, uh, I want to I want to interrupt for a second because uh, he wasn't here when I talked about it. But Alan, tell me about the cigar that I'm smoking. This is the Inch, and this is the smokiest it's named cigar. After <laughs> Alan, by the way. Yeah. So it's. A <laughs> The inch. Uh, this so is the that smokiest cigar I've ever picked up. So, like, so Edwig in the smoky inch. Yes. Yeah. So the inch I gave y'all, that is actually something completely new from Ernesto. That is the inch ring master. So little backstory. Um, Ernesto was the godfather of big ring gauge cigars. Back 25 years ago, before anyone had ever thought about doing something bigger than a 60, Ernesto said, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> and he... So, hold my beer. Yeah, hold my beer. I got this. <laughs> you want to see a cigar, so, I'll show you a cigar. Thank you, Texas. So, bigger engaged cigars, notoriously, from some of the companies out there, they blend a Robusto, Corona, whatever, mm-hmm. and then they just start adding more wrapper and filling it full of filler. Right. That completely changes the cigar. Yes. From what they immediately wanted the Robusto to taste like, a 6x60, 7x70, 8x80 doesn't taste the same anymore. Ernesto blends that cigar at a 64 ring gauge and then he can go down a few sizes or up a few sizes but Uh. it tastes the same and so no one else blends a cigar for a big ring gauge the same way he does that is the inch ring master ernesto he's the ring master it's it's brilliant it's a nicaraguan puro 
It uses a Nicaraguan Habano wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, Nicaraguan filler. Um, it's based, I say based, it's a loose word, but our Encore, which is probably going to be number one, at least in the top five this coming year, is a Nicaraguan Puro using Nicaraguan Habano, the same, very similar wrapper, but different binder, different fillers. That cigar has a little more spice, where the Encore is kind of a medium-bodied, not a lot of spice, just a great medium-bodied cigar. That is full body. That's got some spice so to my it. My question, when he says it's the smokiest cigar, is it, would, would that extra smoke layer be, like, is that more the binder? Is that more the blend? Because it's, it's blended it, for the that's gauge? That's actually a, the, the smoke of that. That's amazing. Look with, at that. With smoke. having more smoke. Yeah, it does. Every, it, every puff is, is a, yeah. a lot yeah. more tobacco. We get it. Burn. You vape. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the vegan of cigars. I mean, it's. <laughs> Listen, no. Chad, I don't need your toasted oatmeal cookie, like, smoke in my face. Oh, it's not smoke. <laughs> hey, when Chris stands at a urinal, he stands to next to another guy. And um, there we go. So no, I like Lefroy. We, we, we talk about. Ooh. Oh, I remember that meme. The price to quality index. One factor that's never really been discussed, Wait, which is an interesting topic because this came up, is the length of time for your buck. Right. I All mean, right. buck eight. You're talking about how much is that cigar? So, that cigar in the robusto size, the one you're smoking, is twelve fifty. Twelve dollars. And you're talking about a two-hour smoke. Uh, th- that yeah. that is probably closer to a three-hour cigar. So you, yeah, there you it's go. almost done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, how about I don't two seconds, guys? In fairness, this challenge segment, accepted. Yeah. In fairness, this segment has gone on for a very long time. Yeah, true so, story. Uh, uh, so I just wanted to say though, before we end this segment, I, apparently I need some of the slain. Yeah, My, you've got a uh, hole in your cup, buddy. Uh, yes, uh, it has that effect on people. Yes, uh, your cup uh, broke. This is uh, this is one of the more interesting. Uh, Irish whiskeys I've ever it had. It really is. And it's, it's, it's incredibly sweet. And it's it's Chris, awesome. It's the, really, really The cool. big story we haven't even talked about. What's retail for this bottle? Retail on that's about $28. 20, Incredible. It's amazing. amazing. Wow. That, that, that means it's comparable in, in price to quality uh, to Jameson, the, the number one selling Irish whiskey in the world. Well, yeah, it, it, and it's very uniquely kind of placed, right? Because if you, if you talk historically about Irish whiskey, it's such a a crazy category like in 1975 there were two distilleries and they were owned by the same company right like that's subject to international monopoly laws right. by <laughs> mo- by modern standards four right. years later 1609 and, 1609. and it's, undergo- it's undergoing such this crazy revival and I, I think slain like being a young brand and knowing the things that are coming out because they're distilling their own single malt whiskey their own single pot still whiskey which is you know that quintessential Irish, Irish style and the thing that makes Slane really unique for me, and for not necessarily for a lot of people, but the grain whiskey that we use, because every Irish whiskey brand outside of Redbreast and like Green Spot, but all the other ones that we know, Jameson, Slane, Bushmills, Powers, they're all what we call a blended whiskey. So they've got neutral grain spirit blended into them. And it, it makes it lighter. It makes it more accessible on top of the triple distillation. So it's a very light body, very easy drink. But where Slane is very unique is our grain whiskey is distilled at the distillery from 100% barley. So the mash bill on the grain whiskey matches the mash bill that's going into the, the big powerful whiskey to it. So you have this right. sort of continuity of flavor going on top. And then you bring in our triple cask method, um, which for those that don't know, we use some virgin oak. So virgin American oak on there. There's some seasoned American oak, which is our, our Jack Daniels barrels, and then also some Oloroso sherry. 
What's making it really unique is that virgin oak is very similar to what we use in wood for double oak. So it's a very heavy toast. Which is so with, good. With a medium char to it. So it's accentuating all those kind of vanilla notes that you're getting from like the Oloroso sherry. And it's giving you body. So you get this very full-bodied Irish whiskey, but it still has that, that quote-unquote smoothness that you, that you kind of look for. Just that ultimate drinkability. Um, what I tell people is like, I, I damn near challenge anybody to find me a better blended Irish whiskey for an Irish coffee. I will tell you. Because I've I had haven't this, had one. I've had this uh, quite a few times since that first time over at 101. And I've had it on ice. I've had it neat. I don't think I've ever had it without a cigar. And it's fantastic no matter what. Whiskey yeah, it, sniff quality? Why is it down on that end of whiskey the table? Sniff well, quality. Okay, so whiskey sniff. We want to talk about that, but uh, this segment has been, I think, the longest in show history, and that's fine. Uh, we are going to take a break, however, because uh, I'm done with my cigar. And, and so, I, I uh, definitely want to spend one more talking with Chris oh, absolutely. about some cool stuff. Uh, we want like, you guys to hang, and I'm going to... I want to uh, have an argument with him. I feel yeah, like, that'd be yeah. the, oh, yeah. I feel like that would be more well-received. Can we talk about the last time me and Jeremiah had a public argument? I won very handily. It oh was well, okay. We'll have to hear that story as well. Glorious. Plus, I want to talk. To, I want to talk tequila. I know Brent from Patron is here, so we want to oh, yes. have her come in and talk tequila with us Brent's just a little awesome. bit. Uh, Let's do so seven there's segments. Today. There's so much that we want to get to, and the hundredth show is just you know there really is no time limit on the hundredth show. It really is just about. You know, how much of the stuff we drink and how many cigars. Joe Rogan level. Four hours. Let's do it, guys. Let's go. Let's do it, guys. This is the end of segment two out of 72 seconds. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. So so we'll be back uh, on our way towards uh, 72. It's smoking and toasting. And uh, thank you for joining us for the big celebration, the free-for-all, show number 100. Cheers. Awesome. Welcome back. It is smoking and toasting, (laughs) segment number uh, 98. Uh, Yeah, yeah, close to it. Uh, my name's Cruz. My uh, uh, my uh, partner here is Ian Barry, and we have guests all over the place for uh, show number 100. It's our 100th show free-for-all, so we're going very long on today's show, and we haven't even begun to do the tastings. I just wanted to mention, before we got too much further in the show, when we were talking about um, various members of the panel here who had uh, <coughs> scored way out of their league, um, I'm in that category as well, and my uh, way out of my league wife is actually here today. And I, I looked up during the last segment, and she was double fisted. So uh, that was that was just like the perfect smoking and toasting moment for me. Show number 100 is uh, is in place and and awesome. So um, before we uh, go too much further uh, into the next segment, uh, we have a special guest to introduce. Bren, pick up the mic, introduce yourselves, and tell us what you do for Patron. Hello, I'm Bryn. Um, I work with Patron Tequila uh, here in Houston. I'm a local account manager, um, and I work on-premise in sales, so bars and restaurants. Now, we, uh, my wife and I met you at uh, Ritual. We were at a, uh, uh, a dinner there, which it was a Patron dinner, and there was wonderful tequila flowing all night as well as great food. Ritual is, is fantastic. So, uh, so, uh, so that's the type of stuff that you... That you do the events that you that you organize and, and are a part of, correct? Yeah, yeah, I do uh, tequila dinners, things of that nature, and then help uh, bars and restaurants with menus, cocktail creation, okay. um, and sales in general. Patron's got to come up with a better name for what you do because account manager, yeah, doesn't say it all. Yeah, no, it really doesn't. Like, you got to be like, what was Frank for a long time? He was a luxury specialist. That's amazing. You got to come like up that. with a better name. Yeah, I'll yeah. Work on it. I'll, I'll, <laughs> we yeah, need I'll we need something like in. that. I love it. I love it. So you have brought with you. 
something. Tequila Maiden. Yeah, well, something that I, I, I just want to step over here and pick this up and show it to the camera because it's, this is the Patron Extra Añejo. Now, now, you guys are best known. I, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're best known for your Patron Silver. That's your that's, the bread, and that's your company. bread and butter of the Absolutely. company. It's your big that's seller. Like, what like sixty percent of all tequila sold on earth is Patron Silver. Probably. It makes amazing margaritas. Uh, it, it's just it's just such a great go to. And for so many people, I think it became that that sort of step up when they were uh, when they were you know beginning to explore tequila and maybe they'd had some of the you know brands that had been around uh, for a while. And they, the, somebody said to them, "Hey, try this," and they were like, "Oh, wow! That's like it, that was like a step up, and maybe a step for a lot of people into the world of the more premium and ultra premium tequilas." And and uh, I would imagine, uh, well, what you, you guys obviously you have Patron at B and B, absolutely. The hugest part of your sales, even as sophisticated as your clientele is, I, I'm still guessing the hugest part of your sales is, is it, the it, silver, right? It, it is. A, it's the heart of the tequila. I mean, that, that, yeah. like. That's that's the tequila. Yes, yes. And it's, it's and, and I, what and I would say is like when you talk about the step up, it's it's it is. It's that when you go into a nicer place for the first time, or or you know, like you're sort of like evolving your own palate. Um, like Patron Silver is kind of one of those. It's it's like the Glenlivet or Balvini Twelve, Glenfiddich Twelve. It, it, it's it's the first one. You're like, hey, just put this on the rocks with a squeeze of lime and a splash of soda. You know, you don't have to make a margarita. You don't have to shoot it. And then even myself, fairly recently, like some of the, the more evolved Patron stuff is stuff that I've even been learning about. And it's really cool. Like, I, I'm not I'm not going to fit. Like, I was a little resistant to the agave, as she knows. Um, and it, it's kind of one of those things where a lot of categories are having these sort of resurgences. And like uh, aged agave spirits are definitely something that like people are asking for not to uh, use a, uh, a totally nerdy quote here but resistance is futile resistance yeah. is futile well, yeah. I, yes yeah, yeah it's yes, so it and, and all these patrons come from the same distillate right the same basic distillate and then they're aged differently or is there a different process for some in, of them? in this line so this one here the extra añejo yes those are all going to be uh, patron silver based and then all aged in the same five barrel types. It's just how long they're aged. That so I love that. It's really interesting to try it when you try the silver and then you try the añejo and you try the extra añejo and, and seeing where it goes. That's exactly. pretty amazing process. Yeah, so remind us then of the of the age between uh, the Blanco and the Reposado and the añejo and the extra añejo. What are the age requirements for each one? Yeah, so uh, silver is obviously unaged. Right. Um, our Reposado is going to be anywhere from two months on to right before that one-year, 12-month mark. And Añejo is going to be 12 years up until right before three years. And anything older than three years is an extra Añejo. So, so tequila does not necessarily have to age as long to get to what you might refer to as ultra premium status Absolutely as not. some other spirits is that correct that's correct and you know with tequila and agave spirits in general uh, it'll definitely reach a point once you've aged for too long that you're going to lose that agave flavor profile right um, and it's going to sip a lot more similarly to you know uh, just a an aged whiskey or you know some something else that's just been aged you lose the, what makes tequila what it is well that's kind of the beautiful part about um, tequila and agave spirits just in general is like the nuance of the raw product right mm -hmm. right and and rum is is similar to that as well like a, a a straight out of the straight out of the tank silver rum can have a lot of uh, flavor nuances to it and then just a little bit of aging two years five years can really make uh, a huge difference in terms of 
of the spirit. Yeah, well, I mean, that's just kind of like the misconception, like spirits in general. Like the older it is, the better that better it is. And like we've been very blessed to have people who've you know had an amazing array of spirits across our career. And I think all of us agree, like the older spirits are not necessarily the best. I've had forty-year-old scotches that were not very good. And right. I think every everybody here can kind of agree that's to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. It, it, well, it, it's like the old adage, I, and I think a lot of us at some point were in wine where. Very rarely is the oldest, most expensive bottle of wine on a wine list the best bottle. And what I find, especially in like the the contemporary spirit world that that is actually happening, um, is you you have these categories that are getting these resurgences, but I don't think it's an accident. I think like especially like one of the things that like I would talk about with what she talked about and you asked with using the same distillate through a, a range is I mean, that's. That's like the classic, you know, Scotch profile. We, yeah. we're, okay, right. if I if I want to make three thousand bottles of whiskey and I want one thousand to be twelve years old, one thousand to be fifteen years old, and one thousand of them to be eighteen years old, all I have to do is make three thousand bottles worth of distillate, and right. then the age process does everything else. And right. especially in a category like you know, like an agave spirit, you know, agave obviously behaves different in the wood than something else, um, you know, or different different mash bills, etc. But like. What I think is really cool is actually enjoying the way that, like, the wood affects a different distillate from mm-hmm. something that I'm traditionally used to. Honestly, I've had some tequilas, um, Siempre Azul comes to mind, that I actually enjoyed their Blanco more than I enjoyed their Añejo. It just had the flavor profile was just more interesting and and more more pure yeah yeah well you taste so much of the of the land of the climate in agave i worked at pastry war for two and a half years and so i having agave in my face all the time you get to see an agave plant grown in the shade or on this side of the mountain or these barrels aged way down here and this barrel aged way up here big differences between them so in that way it's more like like the grapes with with one with terroir being such a huge factor uh, in agave right? I, I think any specialized spirit is kind of the, the same way obviously I, I focus on on single malt scotch and the first way first thing I ever tell people when they're brand new to scotch is every single thing you taste in a single malt scotch is three ingredients it's barley water and yeast and tequila is a, a lot the same way like it's it's agave it's water it's yeast um, you know we don't get varied mash bills like we do in American bourbon, we don't get to alter our flavor profile. Yeah, by you can't say thirty thirty six percent agave and thirty six percent aloe vera or whatever. Well, not, yeah, a, like, not a good, <laughs> whatever not a good other plant that looks like good an agave. Tequila, it's a hundred percent agave. Be 100% <laughs> I mean, that it has sounds to. like it could be really good, but but you wouldn't be able to sell it as a tequila, right? You could drink yeah. it and use it as sunburn. I was just exactly. Like, uh, Cancun, I'm coming really. for you. Well, that's the thing. I, I, like, I got a business I like plan. About tequila that talks about the sourcing of the agave. Like, you, like you, you don't get to add. You know, corner other things to it, but you can blend espadine with you know tobala and you know any number of other mezcals and and build this complexity to it. And I, I think that's a really fantastic part of agave spirits in general is you you open yourself to so much and just like Houston was talking about, like so many of them are grown in different conditions and some only grow in the shade and you have you know your highlands and your lowlands so it does kind of accentuate that sort of idea of terroir and and, and the question Bryn, i would ask you as a bunch of whiskey nerds sitting around this table what can we talk about with the barrels that that patron ages in like like do y'all do y'all source do you have your own specific place so about what about finishing chris 
Alright, doing oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, so with our with our core line, so you know everyone knows Patron Silver. So this is the the last addition to that line at the first one in 25 years that we've done as a company. Um, and like I said, we age in those five different barrels. So we have new American oak, we have used American oak, so used bourbon barrels that we're using for that. Um, we have French Elier, French Limousine, and then new Hungarian oak as well. So we're using all five of those different barrels, which is super unique to Patron's house style and how we make our aged spirits. That's awesome. Bryn, uh, I wanted to ask you while we're pouring and, and passing the uh, uh, extra uh, Añejo here, the when I'm at Specs and I'm standing in front of the the cabinet that they keep locked, so I'm not allowed to uh, get into it. Yeah. Uh, I really like it, so I won't stick my finger in all the bottles. I, I think so. Uh, they are, um, you know, they've got. I think it's the cabinet that when they open the cabinet, you hear, oh, you mm-hmm. know. But there's a bottle of Patron in there that is pretty pricey. Uh, what am I looking at, and and where did that come from, and uh, and what is it about that that's special and that and that would make it worth that kind of a premium? Because what is the extra añejo? Like, what does that retail for? Right around eighty. So that's around eighty. So that's what you would expect for an ultra premium extra añejo. Don't right. worry, so, Mark. Just get that tequila. Yeah. So what? Uh, but but what no am I looking judging. at when I look at that one that? has an extra uh, digit in it. it uh, you know, it could be a number of different bottles. We have our Grand line. So our Grand right. Patron line has the Platinum, um, which is going to, you know, it's that's our silver in that line. And then we have our Verdeos, and we have our, um, our Tejona-only style, uh, which is the same as our Roca line, and that one's going to be our Piedra. Um, and so those three bottles are going to run, um, you know, for anywhere from about 175 up until almost 500 um, right. retail so it could be one of those we also have our our Lalique series um, which is gonna you know be a lot higher end right. and that's the crystal um, as well as the the juice inside but so I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt but I poured all the uh, tequilas here does anyone have salt or lime uh, no please no. Just, just stop it right now please no just okay. stop it right no that's now. just a joke no salt or limes are hurting this and if anybody out there is looking we need a new co-host for smoking and toasting <laughs> <laughs> no no training wheels this is amazing yeah. I've, I've i've just done research yeah. on this that means i drank some mm-hmm. and it is amazingly smooth like wow. this is Absolutely. unbelievable Absolutely. i just just on the nose i was just about, the this nose is, is crazy wonderful wonderful like experience but still has like like you can you can smell all the age on it. Oh, yeah! I love there's so the many air. things going on in this. It almost has a little fruitiness to like it. A dry but but I, I want to like yeah. as as wow. a guy who has spent a, a, a few minutes here wow. and there with uh, uh, Mike that that was from Pacey we're like like please please like I, I would like an agave. Talk to me about what you smell when you smell this. Anything like, that is aged that loses the agave smell, I'm really leery of. Sure. I really want that uh, that big agave. Yeah, you want to get it, it, you get it here for sure. Like it's it, it I, I can't describe it as a smell so much as a color. It's it's green. There's like a greenness mm-hmm. to it that's there. I know exactly it, what you mean. And it's delicious. Oh, it 100 percent is. Like one of my biggest problems with, with many many this. you know extra on your hit tequilas is like they wind up just tasting like whiskey. And if I wanted to drink that, I would just drink whiskey. Well, that's a good point. Uh, and you're and you're absolutely right. This. Still is a wonderful agave spirit, and that's what exactly. makes it so uh, so extra special. But it, but the smoothness and the almost butteriness. Which just, is can, not, can we talk about the feel of this on your tongue for yeah, a second? It, it's this not is something super you ascribe thick to tequila, and beautiful. Really. Yeah, um, this is. Uh, well, I will tell Are you. Are you on the clock? Because we might have just like. Done 
Well, I, I just want to say, unlike most of the guys here, my introduction to premium distilled spirits was tequila. I I grew into then enjoying rums and then enjoying whiskeys. Most of these guys were whiskey guys to start with, yeah. but I, I still have the softest spot ever for tequila, and I find that I am maybe more discerning about tequila than I am about some of the other spirits. Some of the other spirits I go, yeah, wow, yes, I can tell you that that's really good, and I can tell you maybe is it better than this, better than that. But with tequila, man, I'm, I'm, I'm pickier, and this is – this is fantastic. It really, really is. I agree with you. And, you know, Patron as a, a company and as a brand um, gets a little, you know, opinion one way or the other with just our silver and, you know, the, the representation of what Paul it is. Paul Mitchell. It, you know, it, it's a good, the silver was definitely a good introduction into ultra premium. And then we, we have, you know, the other options. So the ritual tequila dinner, when we had the Roca line, that more artisanal 100% Tahona style. We had some of the Roca at the dinner that I mentioned and it was quite good. Absolutely. It was really a different sort of a tequila experience. Like not like, like one that I just recently, like maybe like six months ago or five months ago, um, really began to like get in is the exo cafe mm, like well, an agave yeah. coffee spirit it, it doesn't it, seem like they would go together but it's they do right. yeah. yes i know i know yep, like, the, like she she fought me to the nail and i said <laughs> yes and then now i'm on like my third bottle it's, it, it's it kind of sounds like something you would come up with when you're really drunk in mexico right <laughs> no. i'm gonna take this i'm gonna like add a bunch it, of coffee like, to well, it it's like you think you're at a resort it's like the mexican blue blazer like they're making the coffee, you know, with the the, the thing where mm-hmm. they pour from one to one. But this, it, I, it, it's it's more complex. And like we we, we put it on our after dinner menu and do the exo cafe is like it's a great digestif. It, it's a beautiful thing. Like I'm I'm picking up. I'm, I'm back to this again. I'm picking up. Yeah, you should be. This is great, phenomenal. By <laughs> these <laughs> great pepper undertones. Now on a lot of, especially on a lot of the aged uh, tequilas, you get pepper pretty big yes this is actually an undertone it's a flavor that didn't jump out at me at first but the more i sip this it's just so good overall and so incredibly smooth absolutely and you know a lot of that could have to do with that could be the the style of where we begin with making our our tequila so um, we use both a roller mill and the tahona stone method for our core line so we do 50 percent of the roller mill style so that more new school way of crushing the agave and then the other 50 percent is going to be with that tahona only like that old school artisanal way of creating tequila um, and so different flavor profiles definitely come from the different methods of of crushing the agave is um is patron where are you in terms of like worldwide like Domination. are you the number one tequila Domination. company or are you the number five where do, where where do you guys stand in terms of total sales worldwide at worldwide it's i, I couldn't tell you in oh. In the United States, yeah. um, in the ultra premium category, we definitely make up a majority of sales. No, no, Chris, I wasn't kidding. Like Patron represents like sixty percent of tequila sales in the United States. One thing is, you're talking about tequila sales. Period. Not just yeah. Uh, in the, wells, I mean, all with of the it. Like, silver, Patron silver, just as a, a clear spirit base, is a, a huge percentage of well, just. I, I think one thing that that's important to to well, just point. think about the you, before you. I'm sorry, but dive bars, high end bars. Shit right. bars, sports bars, they all right. have a you bottle get, of You can find a Patron Silver at yeah. all of them. No, Worst you're right. case scenario, when you walk goal. in, you say, I want a shot of tequila. Like, what do you want? What do you have? You know what? Never mind. I'll just take a Patron Silver. No right. wheels. I'm good. No, no right. training wheels. Right. Well, you, one thing that I think is important to discuss. Reliable. And, and Houston, obviously, being more experienced in agave than myself can correct me if I'm wrong. But 
as, as kind of spirits, you know, nerds, as we love to call ourselves, we're always searching for, like, the, the next biggest, the next greatest, the next kind of micro-produced mezcal. But if you've ever had a premium tequila in your life, you probably owe it to Patron to that being in the U.S. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah you, really, you may be right about that. Really, uh, really broke the ice for a lot of people. Yeah. And, it, and, to, and to consider that tequila could be good. Tequila well, could well, be like more than. First time, like, hey, just put it on ice with a splash of soda and a lime. You don't have to shoot it. You don't have to make a margarita right. out of it. You can right. enjoy Patron it. Patron helped to show people that there is something outside of that mixto tequila that you had a bad night on in college. They definitely <laughs> helped to pave the way for all, you know, agave spirits in general. And I just want to say to everyone, because very often I'll have people over to the house and I'll break out some premium tequila and go, oh, you have to try this. It's really amazing. And it's so often you get this, oh, yeah, I don't really do tequila. I have a story from when I was in college. Look, I went to college. I have lots of tequila Everyone has stories. A tequila story. But this is not hey, the, the same the, kind of story. So... Uh, uh, wait, wait, hold on. Uh, uh, there's a phone call coming in. This is this is not the kind of tequila that you have an incident about. No, I would hope not. No, this is not the kind of tequila that you have those stories about. Or if you do, I want to hear those stories. I would like to hear those. These stories are deeper and darker and more mysterious. Yes, and, and much more interesting. It's like one of the two most like malign spirits in the world. Everybody has a tequila story and a gin story. Oh yeah, right? I, have bo- I have both of those. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Since my wife is here, I probably can't tell her gin story. <laughs> and it's, strangely enough, it would probably equate to tequila because it was in Mexico. Well, then. tune in for segment four hundred and fifty-six, yes, where we right. talk we're, about we're be looking <laughs> forward to that gin uh, story. Talk, talk about my uh, wife and her boxing. Well, one of the things that uh, that I do love about this uh, tequila conversation is. The fact that it isn't, it isn't always about age, as we said, that there are things sometimes in the, uh, in the younger uh, tequilas that are things that can be appreciated sometimes even more than the more age. And I wanted to ask Houston about that. It, what, when, when you're doing uh, uh, the single malt, where aging has been such a classic thing, um, what are the challenges in trying to get a single malt to be something that people are going to react to and want to buy when it is two years old, when it is three years old or five years old. You, you can't screw up at any stage of the process. Right. That makes sense. <laughs> That's important. Uh, it totally makes sense, yeah. Uh, you, you can't get good out unless you put good in. And uh, so that means that you have to be really strict on all of your things all the way down from where's your grain coming from, what's the quality of that grain, how much sugar does that grain produce? Right. right. What's the quality of your fermentation process? Are you being sanitary? Are you getting bacteria in there? And then if your bourbon wasn't very good and you're going to use your bourbon to make uh, your bourbon barrels to make your single malt, well, that's going to translate all that's the way through, be a too. too. Sure. Yeah. So th- there's a, a whole bunch of variables in the aging process for sure. Do you guys climate control your rickhouse? Or no. Is it? Ah, that's. How much of the uh, how much of the process do you already project uh, before you even put your bourbon into a barrel and age it? How much of that do you project? Okay, it's going to taste like this from this particular barrel. Well, we do a whole bunch of testing beforehand. Okay, uh, and what that means is that we are going to do very small scale test batches beforehand. So you chip off a little bit of wood into your whiskey. And no, drink. actually, no, uh, I'm sorry, about a year ago we did some test batches uh, for uh, the next generation bourbons that we were going to be producing, 
and we actually aged them for 30 days, aged them very loosely for 30 days in one-gallon barrels. Little tiny cute things that I, I like want to take home and have my six-year-old play with because they're beautiful <laughs> uh, and they're really cute. Uh, Drink responsibly. And we just uh, we took a whole bunch of samples out of those and we passed them around to, to people, Chris Hart being one of them, and uh, we got their opinions on them, and then we just kind of took that as a sign, well, we should probably go in this general direction. Right. Uh, and then when you are in the process of uh, distilling, of course you're going to taste your product along the way. And like I said, good in, good out. Yeah, and, that makes all the difference. And so uh, our white dog has been tasting very beautifully lately. Uh, can, I, can I say, speaking of that Can we get dog, some of that white dog? Uh, yeah. too? Yes. <laughs> I'm just gonna be the guy that's like, like tapping his foot over here, like, dude, white dog. Yeah, I just want to point out the real MVP of the show right now. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> like, when we talk about distill it, I'm looking right at which camera. Do I? I don't know which camera I got. You're on but, both. It but what matter. what this is is the essence of everything we talk about on any spirit aspect of this show. Clear, right. neutral, distilled spirit becomes. Everything you see in front of you. Right. So this is a beautiful experience. So, so this is actually a product that is not currently available from Yellow Rose. Uh, it is a new mash bill altogether. It is a bourbon mash bill. Uh, can't call this bourbon yet because it has not been aged in brand new charred oak containers. So this is just minimum of two years. Right. This is straight clear. up the still as of, I believe, two weeks ago. We, we would uh, technically call this if you made it at your house moonshine. Yeah. Okay. Uh, gotcha. we, Yellow we, Rose is a company. It's White Dog. Yellow Which Rose you is very diligent do. in paying our taxes, so don't, don't do this at home. I can attest uh, to that. So, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, sorry. Mark, I was, get up I was closing that up here. Yeah. Yeah. Who Mark, wants don't more? be shy. Who wants more? All right. If you so see this a big is, bearded yeah. man, get on camera. Don't worry. It's I want everybody. <laughs> He's a trap master. We're going to talk to him in a second. Of we course, wanna, I, I do want everybody to be a little bit careful with this. It is at about 135 proof. Oh, that's it? Yeah, so this is straight off and of the still. And it's still incredibly smooth. And Either that or my tongue is dead. So I, the reason why I wanted to bring this and, and show this off is I'm real proud of it. Uh, I did not come up with a recipe for Outlaw Bourbon. Uh, Outlaw Bourbon has been something that's been a part of Yellow Rose since the very beginning, and I haven't been with Yellow Rose since the very beginning. But we wanted to create a new bourbon recipe, and we started making this uh, this year. Uh, and just starting putting it into barrels. So it this is, is a new mash bill? New mash bill. It is 65% Texas-grown yellow corn, 65% Texas-grown rye, and, or sorry, not 65. That doesn't make sense. That's already 130%. <laughs> I was not going to question you your math. Going a, you guys go beyond 100%. 200% oak. We're right. good. 200% corn. So if you're wondering at home, we are actually tasting these spirits. It's very obviously, obvious yeah, at this obviously. point. For a second, I thought this was a Fort Minor song. The percentage is corn in the mash bill. I'm so getting fired. 25% um, <laughs> Texas-grown rye. And 10% Texas-grown malted barley. All of that is uh, uh, processed for us here in Texas, uh, up in the Fort Worth area by a company called Texmalt. They are uh, great awesome. supporters of our brand, yeah. uh, and a lot of other Texas brands are, are sourcing through them, too. Uh, rye is hard to find in Texas. It does not grow well in Texas, but there's a variety that does grow well in the South. And so uh, we have the, the Texas Craft Brewers to thank for getting that, getting that available to us. And the malted barley, the same thing. Malted barley, all these Texas breweries wanted Texas-grown barley, and they definitely want it malted locally. So uh, we have access to that now, too. This is the most Texas damn thing I've ever smelled. It literally <laughs> smells like a lote. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's like is, corn, and it's creamy. Yeah. 
It's really yeah, delicious. For those of you that don't like, live in Texas, if you've never been outside of a fiesta, this is what it smells <laughs> like. <laughs> the elotes cart. Yeah. Is, oh, there, there's a sounds little like, tiny thing. It's amazing. a little cart that has this little umbrella over it. This and it is so the best outstanding you've to ever try had. this. To try it's 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 whiskey before it's whiskey. So oh, it's, to speak. it's whiskey, yeah. But um, it's so interesting so because good. you can taste how young this is. Like you can taste it. This zero <laughs> fresh. It's right? about as young as it gets, actually. Yeah. But but it's on the bottle. It would say zero you if you had of, to put the age. Yes. Right. You can kind of taste the uh, potential in it as well. And Aged the fact 14 midnights. There is, right. there is no way to, that that camera will see. I mean, this, this isn't any older it, the than leg, it's gone. It is. This is <laughs> yeah. very, very, very much grain alcohol. What was the, what was the percentage form. you said it was? 65 percent Texas grown corn, 25 percent Texas rye, 10 percent. Easy to drink, just like this. Yeah. Can I can I can I ask you about the process of how you guys like so like. Do, have you been to there to see the process of them processing the grains, like the corn and the rye and all I, that? I've not. Our production manager, Jason Velasquez, do they, do, what, what, has. The, the, the grains, do they, do they floor it? Do they just, like, hot malt it? Like, do, I, I, I can't say for certain, actually. Sure. Uh, I, I mean, it's I, 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 I won't misspeak. Can we talk about how sexy hot malting sounds? Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, this product, though, is, is going to be released alongside of our Outlaw Bourbon. Outlaw Bourbon will always be part of our, our portfolio. Oh, so you guys are going to put out a white dog? No, no. Oh. I, I wish. I would love to. I would love to. But uh, uh, you can taste this if you come out to our distillery every Saturday. I try to, I try to be there, and this I try to have this coming beautiful. off the still, it's and you can dip your finger in it. It's a beautiful product. Cool uh, but this it's going awesome. to be, be aged for a minimum of two years. Uh, and it's going to be, that means it's going to be released in 2020. 2020 is going to be our 10-year anniversary, and so we'll have a lot of really cool things coming out that same year that are all grain to glass that will probably be available only at the distillery. So nice. uh, this is the, the kind of the future of Yellow Rose. But, but if you do want to taste Yellow Rose... And not go to the distillery. You could go to B&B Butchers. I'm just saying. <laughs> yep. Happy hour, 3 to 6. It's awesome. Also, you can get <laughs> Chef Tommy Bacon at B&B Butchers. Oh my also God. on the happy hour menu. Yeah, and by the way, Shameless I got plug. to try the, what is it, the lamb bacon? The lamb bacon is Holy might be the most amazing thing on earth. Mother, that, oh my God, I thought Chef Tommy's was rocking no, my No, 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 the lamb bacon. this, do tell. The lamb ba- so the lamb bacon, so we get Colorado lamb, what they call a skirt or breast. So on the lamb, pardon me for vegans watching, but it's right here on the, on the animal. And we get it, uh, we, we salt cure it, then we brine it. And then we cold smoke it at about 171 degrees for about 10 hours. Uh, and no then, wonder. No wonder. Well, but here's the thing. After that, it goes on the actual grill. So it gets direct smoke. And then we throw it in the salamander to finish it, crisp it up before it goes to the table, German mustard. Um, it's like for me, oh. like you can you can have most of the rest of B and B's menu. Like I'm telling you right now, shameless like the lamb bacon. shameless B and B plug right now is uh, 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 restaurant weeks. Yes, you can go to B and B right now and for forty five dollars get a three course meal uh, for dinner. It, it is incredible. Yeah. It uh, really is. I had it. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. But the lamb bacon was a new experience, and I I, I won't recover any. So I'm, I'm I'm gonna throw out a weird shameless plug right now oh. is that I just tasted for the first time two days ago, um, 
I can't say when we're going to put it on the menu, but uh, I, I just tasted the A5 Japanese Wagyu beef bacon. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, it will be just... You're a terrible person. I, I will tell you, this will be like in a very expensive plate of bacon, but it absolutely... like. I can never eat regular bacon again without being jaded. Wow. <laughs> like, oh, here's, here's and that's the, where you and me differ. Here's the regular, <laughs> here's the regular B&B bacon, and I'm going to eat it and be like, yeah, I guess thanks. Have you, uh, For those of you that are tuning in, have you ever tasted bacon? Yeah. <laughs> like, like bacon because, bacon I mean. Good. Bacon's good. Yeah. But, so, go ahead. I, well, no, I was just going to say, like, I love the fact that we, we get to taste this white dog like, like it's really really cool um one of the things that i i firmly believe and and our bar staff is trained this way um you know it, it's a very important thing stories are incredibly important in spirits i agree and so the, the fact that like you know we've gotten here Bren's story and the story of this like, like for me like that's a big part when, when you have a place and you have a obviously a wide array of spirits, and you're obviously charging premium prices. It, it's very important that people know why. Like, but, you know, well, you, and it's one of the things we've always loved about B&B is that your your staff knows the stories. They know why. It's incredible. Not just important. what, but why. And I, it's a big deal. I would like to uh, do one more thing if we have a second. Um, this is about as young as you can taste a whiskey, as far as I can tell. And yet um, it still tastes like whiskey. Can we try some of that 18-year-old that you brought? Oh, of course. Yeah. Let's let's go for one to eighteen years. The spectrum. One to eighteen. Okay. <laughs> so I tell you what. Why don't you pour that in? We're gonna go very quickly to the next segment, uh, and so pour that we'll pour that in the break. We'll open the next segment with it. But before we wrap this one up, I just wanted to ask Bryn one more tequila question, and it's about this thing that we're reading everywhere about the shortage of agave and how that is a threat to uh, premium tequila everywhere. Truth, legend, and if true, what is Patron doing about it for the uh, for your for your own production? Yeah, so it, I can't say it's not true. Um, Patron's not not necessarily going to be affected by a shortage in agave. We um, have numerous families that we work with um, that we source our agave from, so we pay them a premium. Um, every single year, whether agave prices are up or down, there's guaranteed to be making a premium. Um, and so we get our, our first pick of agave from these families. It's um, good to be the king. <laughs> yes. You know, they did it and they did it right. They do it well. Um, and so we don't, we don't grow our own agave. Um, so if there's ever a bad year for agave, uh, we, 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 our field, it's not like it's damaged and nothing that we can pull from. We, we have these families that, that we utilize their, their, their production. Um, for smaller distilleries, I can't say the same necessarily. But Should we expect to see uh, that impact tequila prices? Possibly, um, you know, a across the board maybe, um, but also with just the, the tequila boom in general, tequila prices are, are fluctuating um, as so, is. So my question to, to follow his would be, like, you think with the, the kind of new boom in agave spirits, like, I'm assuming that's contributing to the shortage because there wasn't a shortage before. Well, I think the I think the big thing to talk about, and both of these guys will obviously know better than I will, is just the sheer amount of time it takes to 
Oh, it's, it's incredibly an agave worthy of distillation. Seven years. Seven seven years is usually going to be well, well and, and 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 to actually like that's just to grow the plant. To grow the plant. Say, and then the process beyond that aging. though. That's I mean, from seed to harvest at that point. Because right? if I'm not mistaken, right. you can't. There's no. You, you're not allowed to machine harvest the pina. So it has to be people going out and cutting the agaves down. A hemidor. I'm, I'm sure there are people who are machine harvesting for well, sure. Really? Yeah. I mean, it, there there's a lot of. A, a lack of oversight, I suppose, for a lot of this. But is, it, is this why I should cover the mic and go, <laughs> Don Julio? I, 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 I can't speak to certain brands, and, sure. I, and, I, and I wouldn't want to. But uh, the, the, the market as a whole is very cyclical. Sure. Uh, when the prices are high, you get a bunch of people bandwagoning on top of that, thinking I'm going to make a whole bunch of money on, yeah, on agave. agave right. And then, w- then when their product is – when their agave is ready, the prices are down at the bottom, and they're selling out. Because now they're not getting into the market. So ready to make do the next wave. Right, okay. right. And right. this whole thing happens every, you know, 10, 12 years. There will be sure. some shortage in agave. Um, and no one's really felt the effect of it. Well, uh, I'd, I'd just like to point. apologize for my part in the agave shortage. <laughs> and and uh, I would promise to do better, but I'm really not sure if I can say that. You're not really sorry. I'm not really I'm sorry. Not, you're not really sorry. All right. We are. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry. <laughs> We are you going to uh, take a break because we got lots of thunder rolling in. So I want to make sure we get at least one more good segment because we have a we, lot. We got to talk about a lot of stuff to taste. Brandy. Yes, we got to talk about brandy. Yes, absolutely. So uh, we'll be right back. It's smoking, and we'll be back quickly this time. Smoking and toasting. <laughs> okay. So yeah. So let's. let's Holy hurry. shit! Are there beers in there that you want to Yes. Just give me time to figure out when. Yes. You know, you know, I know. She, I know. Kept, she kept trying to tell me she was beautiful. Once you taste it, yeah, I'm like, ah. I don't, I don't stay away for too long. I come I back to bother you. About <laughs> so this, give me to like September when I actually reprint my mini. Yes. You know how long it took me to like get an appointment with this guy? And he was in my fucking wedding. My favorite thing was when we finally had a meeting set and he texted me, my car is on fire. And I was like, where's my alternator burning up? My alternator literally caught on fire. FYI, the, uh, the wait, lights oh, are oh, still oh, live on um, Facebook, just so you guys know. <laughs> yes. Because my car was on fire. My favorite excuse. <laughs> Sorry, Brent, I can't be with you. My car's on fire. Yeah, like, like, how I know what I wanted to do? Like, I should have sent you a video of me changing my own alternator and pulling out the burned mass that was. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> all right, you all. All right, kids. Let's. Uh, oh, so we're doing a drunk. Hey, Cruz told me to pour the 18, so pour the fucking 18. Yeah, you got one more bite. I got to head out, so if you want to. Yeah, we got to you some thank you so much. Yeah, it was great. Oh, we did. We grabbed the Phoenix Barrel. We are such huge fans of that sample. Wow. So Very impressive. Thank you. I'm going to come sit next to Brent. Houston, thank you. Thank you, Houston. <laughs> Fine, hey, just one so more, you know, one more mic. Gene Beck's not here, but he's watching. Uh, there's a, there's Can Gene Beck hear me? Is this the mic? Are the mics on now? Yeah, they're still on. So, yeah. Kayla, do you love me? Can What's you up, Gene? Please, do you want um, glass or plastic? Glass yes, sir, Frank Fernandez. All right. Hi, Frank. We are at One Park Place, 8 o'clock. Just tell the guy you're on the eighth floor for the party, smoking and toasting. Who's this? 
Who's he talking to? Oh, Frank Nunez. Ah, surprises of a friend. Frank number two will be here momentarily. All right. Well, yes. I would like you to like just take a moment to get one on the Pearl Brewing Company, my friends. Nice. That is my keychain bottle. Now, the wife and I are going to uh spend a couple days in San Antonio for um for labor where? Juniper Talk. Juniper Talk. Yeah. So yeah, so that I was gonna say, where should we go? Which one would you like? Just hand him one. Chris Morris, grab that remaining cigar, hand it over to Mark. There you go. We have more cigars inside. We got, we got a plethora of everything. Yeah. No one is gonna go without tobacco today. Do you drink whiskey at all, or just a tequila person? I actually started in whiskey, so. Boom. Liquid Reserve is where I I started my. She's literally standing to drink the 18. Yeah, Here we go, kids. Saying. Segment uh, number whatever this is. I wasn't is. listening. I was inside. Here we go. Yes. Andy, but I want to talk with you about the, the allocation thing and how it affects the rest of American whiskey. Sure. And do we have what we need here for, uh, for that discussion? Dude, we can have a full argument. Okay, cool. Directly a result. Woo! Of What's up, Brian? Allocation. All right, here we go. Ready? And welcome back. Yeah. No, you don't. And the pants. Cameras are off, right? Oh no! Oh no! Keep your pants on. If you're standing. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It's smoking and toasting. It's our 100th episode. Uh, so this has been, I, I would say, wait. Hour number hold eight. on. Wait, Jeremiah Mark. just dropped a cigar. We're good. You all right? All right. Everything's okay. All right. It was okay. almost a moment there. Uh, so, Ian, I would say this has definitely been the most fun episode so far. Oh, absolutely. Say. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what I love, too, is uh, we get sometimes we get people that just drop by, and here comes Frank. We're going to put a chair back. Can we yeah, put a chair back in that right corner now. there? All right, awesome. So we're going to have him coming in just a moment here. Well, we, we uh, as we were wrapping really, up the last One of segment. our two favorite Franks. Yes. One of our two favorite well, One of our two, two favorite Franks. He actually <laughs> replaced You're 100% Frank. correct. Frank, Frank actually replaced Frank. Yes, and, and that happened. I had a grandpa named Frank. Frank. He was well, significant. there was no way to replace Frank, but with Frank. Yeah. Yes. He did, though. Daddy Frank played the guitar and ate French bread or something like that. His, uh, his only way to move up in the world is to replace yet another Frank. Jeremiah, can you grab that lighter for you? Right right. So right before the last segment ended, I believe we were pouring some 18-year. Uh, you want to talk about this? Oh, yeah, so this Glendronic. Is the, yeah, this is the 18-year Glendronic. And so we had the very young, the zero year, uh, the white dog. And now we're going to do the Now, it is important to say that that white dog is definitely a different mash bill. That's oh, a yeah. corn of versus course, a yes, barley. Sorry. <laughs> no, of, of course. And, and just like I, I talked about, like, when you're dealing with scotch against American whiskey, in American whiskey, you get to vary your mash bill. You can, you can add wheat, you can add rye, you can add malted barley. You can affect your flavor in any number of ways. Um, in being a single malt scotch, all we have is barley, water, and yeast. That's the single entire grain, single distillery. Yeah, it's literally the only thing that we can produce and call it a single malt. Whether you're Glendronic or Ben Riek or Lagavulin Balvini. or you know Balvini, Aberfeldy, like. Any of the 200 distilleries that produce a single malt whiskey, we only get water, barley, and yeast. Um, one thing that I really love about Glendronic, A, being the second oldest licensed distillery in Scotland, 
dating, dating all the way back to 1826. But what we do is we were sort of the originators of sherry cask aging. Okay. And so that gives the, the whiskey sort of this very distinct kind of sweetness to it. And the 18 has been one of my favorite whiskeys for, for years and years. It's 100% Oloroso sherry barrel. So you've got these sort of Christmas fruit notes, this, this fig, this fruit cake, you know, a little bit of like a, a chocolate note. Those baked fruit notes. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah baked fruit. I, d- I just want to tell you, after, after tasting this 18, I love you. <laughs> I, I love you, too. <laughs> <laughs> this, but, is actually, this is delicious. But, but There's about, a lot of love to go around. I but think but even good. talking about like integrity. I, I, I need an adult. Yeah. I need an adult. <laughs> but even talking about like integrity of sourcing, like we talked about with Houston like six minutes ago. And he talks about, you know, the fact that everything they're doing is Texas grown. 100% of our barley is Scottish grown, which is getting less and less common. So many people are getting their, their malts from commercial houses. And it just streams like, streamlines the process. There's nothing wrong with that. But what we do is 100% Scottish barley, local farms whenever possible. It's non-show filtered. It's natural color. It's everything that we want a whiskey to be. It's, it's an artisan, purest whiskey in the, the purest sense. And the story, the story that I really love to tell about this company in particular is this 18, if we do a little bit of math, we're in 2018 now. So that would tell you if you subtract 18 years, this whiskey was distilled in. Wait, uh, wait hold on. I got it. Hold on. Wait, wait. Uh, 2000. 1846. 9-11. Thank wait. God we were in an even number. <laughs> yes. 1826. <laughs> it says on the ball. 1826. But the thing about it is this whiskey, this distillery was closed from 1996 to 2002. So how did this happen? This so this particular, this particular bottle, bottle in 2016, is actually 20-year-old whiskey. And what happened was... We were so dedicated to keeping our core age statements and kind of rebelling against that American model of limited releases that we just blended 20-year-old whiskey to taste like our 18. So wow. I, I, I tell people, you, you, get, you buy 18, you get two free. Like, where are you going to get a deal like that in the, in the whiskey world? <laughs> well, this it is, is so good. It is fantastic. And by the way, I am polishing off an Esteban Carreras um, uh, Chupacabra that... Uh, Kenneth Wynn from Casa de Monte Cristo brought, and this is one of the better cigar and whiskey pairings oh, uh, I've had in a very long oh, time. That, that Chupacabra is a monster. It's all it's, it's all leather yes. and chocolate, and it just really pairs it off like just those, marries perfectly with those, this. Oh, those Oloroso notes, that like nuttiness, like yeah. I just kind of want to compliment the entire cigar availability today. Oh yeah, <laughs> we got to like. Play around with a lot. I, I, I think I'm on my third. Well, we have. I, might not I think we've lost all, all of our cigar guests so far, but they dropped a lot on us. Man. Well, and we have good friends in the cigar industry. They're so, so nice. well, and I think what's cool is that even people brought other ones. You know, like, like I brought yes. a, I brought an Oscar Cuban. I brought yes. a Padron 64 for Chris. Like, I mean, it. That's one thing I love about this show is, and one thing that Chris talked about that I think is really important is that, you know, cigar smokers are people too. Yes, <laughs> like it, it, it's not like. It but but, but even it, but even more than cigar smokers, I think it's really important to introduce the 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 new the new man to the panel who just showed up with a pretty wicked shirt, Mr. Frank Fernandez, <laughs> one of my, one of my favorite people. And get him. Yeah, I was about to hand him the mic. Okay, I, you missed my joke earlier, but I said speaking of chupacabra. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> totally missed that on that joke uh, right there. Thanks for having well, me, guys. Thank Frank, you for this is your Frank. first time officially on the show. Now, we have 
you mixing drinks at the whiskey social actually. Yeah. yeah. And, and and you you sort of crashed the show on episode and 95. Yeah, so you crashed I the did. show was, yeah. The bar in 2017 was better. I'm just saying. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> I'm sorry. What did you say? Get this guy out of the show, First please. Of all, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> well, you were, I'm I'm sorry. Those were fantastic cocktails. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, they were. I'm glad I you know. got here, I think. In so Chris time. Chris was one of the bartenders at the 2017 Houston Whiskey Social, and he was amazing. He put on a show mixing. I don't want to say bartender. He was a complete artist. Yeah, I mean, yeah absolutely. Well, well, we, we provided absolutely. him I'm just going to ask you guys to all stop blowing his head up, please. We, we, we provided him spirits from, from all the way back to World War Bacardi II. Legacy, he was making Heaven Hill Bartender of the Year, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah but yeah. he was making period-accurate pieces, uh, cocktails being provided to everybody free. You know, it was all included. And you could taste a cocktail made with ingredients from... 80 years ago, yeah. and no one, no one in this city deserved to be behind that bar more than this man right it here. Was no, and, and, and I, w- I will tell you all, like, to, to piggyback on what Mr. Hart just said, um, when you talk about period accurate, like, I remember actually working with Chris, and, you know, crap cocktails are crap cocktails, and, like, I know what I know, and I know spirits, and this guy would be like, no, that drink's not right because it doesn't have this. And even to the extent of him going back to the Jerry Thomas books and figuring out what an actual measure was. Oh, one measure of this, two measures of that. Like, absolutely went and did the homework and actually created the cocktails accurately, timeline-wise. For an aficionado, it's amazing. Like That That is amazing. Thank you, Chris. Well, I mean, for for, for me, it always just came down to kind of kind of integrity and interpreting what people are really saying like when you look at cocktail books from the 1880s 1890s you know the 1910s like what are they trying to convey and chris gave us a really great opportunity like we were mixing a bobby burns very classic scotch cocktail it's a a scotch manhattan with a little bit of benedictine but we're getting to do it with a a vermouth that's been in production since the 1800s we had a 10-year blended bottle of scotch bottled in the 1940s we had a 1940s bottle of benedictine to add that complexity to it and there's really something about being able to taste like just a piece of history that's the kind of detail by the way that you guys at the houston whiskey social put into that event well it's amazing that's just i was just about to say this is why when ian and i talk about this being the best of these events and i'm not just trying to embarrass chris hard here but when this, when I say sure. you can't, okay, good. Uh, when we say it's the best of these events that we've ever been to, and we've been to a lot of these kind of events. I mean, this is why it's I'm that sure kind of attention. On this panel met at events. Yeah, it, it, it's this kind of attention to detail that make that make that event so outstanding. And well, this year was just as amazing, outstanding I mean, and I, outrageous. I definitely didn't do it alone. Uh, you know, through the last few years, meeting people like Chris Morris and Frank Fernandez. And and these are guys that were nerds before I even knew what a nerd was. <laughs> I mean, bef- but, I mean, I was still drinking Jack and Cokes. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Before I even knew <laughs> anything, anything wrong about with that. that's how everyone world. cuts their teeth. I mean, Never everyone Jack cuts their or Jim. Sure. Either or. Sure. Speaking of Frank Fernandez, are you now known as the luxury specialist? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, I, I love that title. That's the greatest title ever. Piece and uh, very confusing for a lot of people, but. Uh, I basically take care of all the higher-end spirits in the Beam Centauri portfolio. Uh, 
previous Frank, Frank, uh, <laughs> Frank, Frank K. K. Yeah. I gotta give the guy credit, man. The OG Frank. Yeah, but the o- the only way that you could have replaced Frank was with a Frank. No, yeah. and they, so right. they actually now fought to the death. The team, bro. Uh, they actually put them in a ring together and had them fight shirtless. You should it, see it how many it emails turns I out get. I saw the bartender boxing. That was not true. Shirtless views. Frank fighting just well, to decide who to get. So I was watching ESPN the Ocho the other day, and <laughs> hey, was it required that they spray them with the garden hose the whole time, or was that just? I, I like to think that's how it went down. Was I'm pretty a chess sure boxing it. match between I'm Frank sure and Frank. That's it. Well, uh, I'm pretty big chess. Yeah, speaking yeah. of I mean, Frank Fernandez, one well, we are sitting with the luxury spe- specialist. The other Frank's dead. We don't know what happened to him. Yeah, what happened to him? We long Frank's probably Frank. in Kentucky enjoying his life right now. <laughs> Frank is dead. <laughs> long Frank. Yeah, but uh, yeah, uh, this might be a good time as we're talking about events to mention that our first uh, smoking and toasting event open to the public uh, is is going to be taking place on October the 10th. It's a Wednesday and it's going to be taking place in the upstairs patio area at B&B Butchers on Washington. I've Ave. heard of that. It is going to be amazing. It is called the Whiskey Sniff. Now, the Whiskey Sniff needs a little explanation. So I'm going to turn to my friend Ian, who coined the phrase Whiskey Sniff to explain it to us once again. So Whiskey Sniff is a phrase that me and uh, my brother came up with because for years now, well, you know, as I've been exploring different whiskeys and, and cigars and things like that, I came up with a method where I go sit on my patio and I start a cigar, and I usually get a half an inch into it-ish. And I uh, really get the flavor of that cigar in my palate, you know. And then I go in, and I look at my whiskey bottles, and I just pop the tops and smell them and sniff them and find out which, which flavor profiles really feel like they're going to go with it. This is how, remember when you asked earlier, okay, when you're sitting at home, what do you, how do you decide what to drink? What's your process? Yeah. This is my process. I start a cigar. I get the flavor on my palate. I go sniff my whiskey. And the one. So you open up the tops of the bottles and yeah, sniff the bottle. The top, I, I have a story about sniffing whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is not that kind of story, sir. <laughs> oh, it will not be. <laughs> this, is, this, this, this is This story knowledge. keeps my pants on. Sniffing whiskey. Anyway. Um, Again, that was my nickname in high school. <laughs> so. So anyway, this is this has been my process for years, and when I mentioned this process to Cruz, he goes, "Oh, well, this is obviously an event because we have to make this happen." So what we're going to do is we're going to have some cigars available. You will choose your cigar, what strength, what flavor profile you like. Then we'll have some whiskeys available as well, and you'll with be the tops a- off. with the tops off. You'll be able to orient a glass. You know, you'll be able to get your nose into this. And obviously, try- this will all be this is according a- to TABC laws. Of course, and of course. Is legal and responsible. Of course, yes. and- Drink responsibly. And this Absolutely. is and this is a method that works like ninety nine percent of the time. It doesn't work with Malort, but it works with. <laughs> All I disagree. Nothing. If you've ever had a cigar in a, in, in, in a Malort, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Absolutely it really not, Jeremiah. I'm going to take your word for that. <laughs> the only cigar a, that goes a Malorta Nudo is fantastic. Malorta Nudo. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking Malort Hemingway daiquiris. Mm, yeah. Try Malort and mayonnaise. It's amazing. Uh, but anyway. that's but that's what the event is going to be. There's going to be. <laughs> that sounds like a Chris Frankel shot. <laughs> it does. Let let. Chicken wing bombs. That, that I don't even want to tell. Chicken okay, wing don't, bombs. Don't actually try that. I, 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 I remember paying the bar tab from the yes, trips. Right. <laughs> oh, no, I highly recommend try the Malorton mayonnaise no, shot. Is, so it. anyway, the bottom line is we decided that this is going to be our first event. Is going to be called the Whiskey Sniff. We're going to be having it at 
uh, B&B Butchers upstairs on the patio. It's going to be amazing. We're going to have a great time. When, October 10th, you said. October 10th. Oh, it will be, uh, it'll there, be a and, ticketed and, event. Tickets and, and, will be available and, for and, this. And, and, and we'll figure, like, we're going to get all that available. And then there will be some really cool intended pairings. Like, I think we're going to get Alec Bradley involved. Uh, Fantastic. I, I'm specifically looking to get a bunch of the Nika Puro diamond cut. Oh, you're the man. Well, I think that it'd be, it's really cool when you're going to do an event like this to have, like, if you're going to have cigars, like, let's just not have, like, this, you know, the industry standards. Right. And so we already carry the Nika Puro uh, diamond cut at B&B. That's a fantastic cigar. Too. Oh, my, I just had my first mm-hmm. one, like, four days ago. Like, wow. Absolutely amazing. Uh, but the cool thing about that is... That means that Glenn Fittick will show up with about five different year statements of uh, whiskey. This and, is not a I'm bad thing. I'm pretty sure that if I get Glenn Fittick to show up, that means Balvenie will show up. Uh, that's that's what we're talking about. So now, that's going to be a party. Have you met yeah. those people? So, so this, this actually plays perfectly into my sniffing whiskey story, okay. which you will not be able to do at B&B Butchers on October 10th. <laughs> because it will not be TABC certified. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I'm in Dufton. Home of Glenfiddich and Balvenie, and I go on this tour, and we visit, like, 11 distilleries in, like, two hours, like yeah. you do. Because if you've been to Dufton, they're, they're all, like, you just walk, yeah, and so, they're just distillery after so, distillery. So I asked my tour guide, I'm like, where should we go for dinner? She's like, oh, you got to go to the Stewart Arms. It's the best pub in town. And Dufton's, like, the no. size of the room that we're in, so it's not a very Highlander big, Inn. It's not, no, that's in Kregeliki. That's not in Dufton. Kregeliki. Kregeliki. And oh, the one Scottish so I get in, and the first thing I see is, like, over 250 malt whiskeys. And I'm like, yes, I'm listening. And so I asked to see their whiskey list, and the bartender comes over. He drops it off. We're at a table. He's like, here you go. He's like, we just had a whiskey festival, so we might be out of some things. Feel free to come up to the bar and make sure we have what you're looking for. I'm like, well, that's perfectly reasonable, of like, course. hospitality. Like, I appreciate that. So I'm standing at the bar just, like, looking, and, like, my jaw is on the floor because it's an amazing selection. And he sees me, he's like, oh, no, mate, come on back, come on back. I'm like, what did you just say to me? He's like, oh, no, come on back. And he goes, you know, feel free to pick up the bottle, pull the cork, have a nose. He's like, the, the, the price of each whiskey is on the, on the bottom of the, of the bottle. So I'm picking up, like, 1964 casts of Balvenie and just being like, oh, yeah, this smells really good, and it's 200 pounds, so I'm not going to drink that. <laughs> and, like, they're literally working around me. So I, like, finally order some, like, festival-only Isle of Jura, and it's fantastic. And I look at him, I go, where I come from, you would get your ass kicked. <laughs> Step in behind another man's bar, and he looks straight Stay at me. Stay out from behind my bar. He, he looks straight at me, he goes, oh, it's not a problem until you start drinking the whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to figure out when the guy became Irish. And I, I think about it, and I'm like, oh, uh, Seamus. It's all the same. <laughs> but, but he looks at me. And I'm incredibly sorry to the entire United Kingdom for what Chris just said. <laughs> sorry, Chris Hart. But yeah, he told me it's not a problem until you start drinking the whiskey. And I think about it, I'm like, truer words have never been spoken. It's <laughs> absolutely right. That's awesome. It's absolutely right. Uh, okay, so what I'd really like to do is wrap this segment really quick and come back for a final segment where we talk brandy, because I know you wanted to talk uh, brandy. Very, very much. Hard, so. Chris and myself, I, well, I want to talk brandy, and I want to talk about the way allocations are affecting the American Yeah, we want to have an industry argument. Okay, good. So down. let's do that. Uh, plus, yeah. And plus, Mark, Mark Nichols returns. He has Mark. a shotgun to beer. You Mark has been involved. How many Houston Houston breweries for? Like, uh, like, yeah, well, uh, 
Goliad. Goliad, New Republic, uh, New were my Republic, last yeah, two. You need to put whiskey on draft. But we have this the guy, guy for you. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, but, but that's all we're saying. I have like, done. This guy, like, no, no, whiskey, whiskey, kombucha, cocktails. Like, anything that can be fermented and put in a keg and poured to you, this guy's going to talk about. It's awesome. Plus, in the final segment, we'll be challenging Mark to shotgun an idolatrous IPA from Stone <laughs> while these guys are talking brandy or arguing about the industry. Are there sure. two of those? Can I shotgun one oh. Do I have Are there three? For his butt? Sir, we are, we are have in no racer shape for you. We'll be back with <laughs> the final segment of this is gonna be 100. Oh, <laughs> Centenario! As Ian just said, descending into madness. We'll be right back. Moo Moo, great. Yeah. All right. I've already unbuttoned the top button on my jeans. Let's do this. <laughs> All right, here we go. Final segment. I didn't even bring any underwear. Yeah. There you go. Oh, All right. And with that, we oh, begin we have three. the final three. segment. Yes, I'm talking. Let's, let's, let's do Mark, Mark first. Mark first. And then we'll do the tequila All right. and we'll go into brandy. All right, fair enough. Here we go. Welcome back, my friends. It's our final segment of the 100th show. I do want to uh, debatably the final segment. What's that? Debatably the final. Debatably the final segment. Yes, I do want to recognize a couple of people. Uh, John Whiteside from our uh, engineering group at uh, RFC Media whoop, whoop. and Sweet Radio, who uh, helped to put all the equipment together to make sure we got video for this, and it was terrific. And uh, our producer Adam on the wheels of steel, who. Just informed me we are at about two hours and forty minutes on the show. So uh, that's Joe Rogan level. Is, I love this it. Is, yeah, this is. We're so yeah, but what, four. What were the four hours. Yeah. Four hours. <laughs> no, we're gonna go no. four hours. <laughs> so, uh, so Hold fun on with Joe Rogan. We're not. We're not really bow hunting or and, any of that. <laughs> and I want to also do huge thanks to uh, all of our guests, to everybody. Some of our guests have already had to depart. We uh, just appreciate everybody for being on the show. We sent out invites to everyone who had. Been a guest on the show. Obviously, not everyone was available, but we had such a great group here. This has been uh, this has been an absolute blast. So we have some unfinished business, and I believe it starts with passing a Stone Idolatrous IPA uh, over to uh, uh, Mark Nichols, and uh, a couple of other people requested one. So we'll pass those down as well. And uh, uh, we were going to taste this on the should, show. Should but I stand up and move? He's we're gonna. He, it's over there. He, you're gonna yeah. have to. So. Uh, this is uh, this is how it works. Well, and Are you the that? origin of this was apparently when Mark was on the show early, he wondered what it would be like to shotgun a beer just while Ian and I were talking, but didn't do it. And when he was on show number ninety-nine, that's exactly what he did. He did a and it was too. one of the better moments of the show, quite frankly. Well, it was hilarious because, like you know, in the first ep in the first uh, 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 segment of our show, we don't talk about our guests. We talk about who's coming on and blah blah blah. But since we're video, you can see that our guest is actually just sitting there. And he was thinking to himself, well, if I just sat here and shotgunned a beer in the background, that would be hilarious. And so he did. I've never actually seen a shotgun in real life before, so I'm excited <laughs> about seeing three in a row. Chris, did you want one of these? I no, do no, no. Okay. I'm, I've got limited room, and I want to put brandy in it. So yeah, let's, all right, yeah, we goodbye, Sober World. Yes, goodbye, Sobriety. We will see you guys later. So I'm what, what do you do? Do you, you, you portions portions of the show portions of the show were brought to you yeah, by Uber. You pop it for for so uh. it goes. Ready, set, go. <laughs> 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 yes. I promise you, and Chris it wasn't just me. showered in yes. IPA right there. Wow. Now there are worse ways to go. <laughs> that had to be a fairly interesting beer to shotgun because that's. Stone's limited release. It's pretty gra pretty also, just Ron, came out. I definitely so can fast. smell Did it you from your Chris's that? jacket. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 
Chris's jacket, by the way, very not, not a jacket, but a beautiful bib. <laughs> <Good evening. laughs> oh, I, I, am right. no, I am no stranger to drinking beers generally. The first time I ever had Pliny the Elder, uh, we tasted it and then we put it in shambongs. Yeah, well, and I then went to town. I just want to point out the, uh, the water. We put it in the man who said beer the water first pipes. Time I had first Pliny time the Elder. Pliny yeah, yeah, we uh, we managed to get a bottle of it for last week's show, thanks to Ian, but. Unfortunately, it was a little post-peak. We still liked it, but uh, uh, it wasn't as good yeah, as Yeah, so anybody the fresh. out there who has uh, peak Pliny the Elder, please um, let us know. We have St. Arnold Oktoberfest to trade, and believe me, uh, uh, that's good. Beer. it's a good beer. Yeah, so. All right, Mark, thoughts? I, I do. I wanted to say um, thank you for last week. Uh, <laughs> unbelievable response. I've gotten several phone calls. Lots of people called to tell me they watched the show. Asked me to come in and evaluate their draft systems and uh, so yeah. real, a little, real, little, yeah. little back a little yeah. back system here. Mark owns a company called Quality Draft and he comes in and makes your draft lines awesome. I'm going to let him take it from there. I I, I do. That, I mean that's the intent. Uh, hey. I've studied draft systems going back 22 years in uh, different models from uh, you know being with the. Uh, you know, distributors to independent uh, research and you taking, also uh, install draft systems. I do install installations and upgrades, repairs, uh, glycol chiller service, and uh, I've also studied um, variants such as uh, cocktails, uh, liquor. So that, that's my question to you. So uh -huh. at B&B, I about a year ago eliminated my draft beers. Okay. And I switched completely to draft cocktails. So I have six draft cocktails at BME. Okay. Um, I, I've learned uh, through some homework and some advice and trial and error. Like, obviously, like things like, you know, if, if you're building the draft in the keg, like everything cold. Mm -hmm. um, but for someone like myself who has six draft cocktails, like, what, I, I guess. Before I go into like what I think of draft cocktails, like like how are they beneficial? Like what do they? Well, the biggest way they're beneficial is speed of service. I Absolutely. mean, you get your most uh, your most uh, signature drinks. You know, you go from a thirty second to a minute per order down to uh, five seconds with garnish. Um, you know, so it it can incredibly speed service up uh, for your bartender, make a make the bar a lot more efficient. Two, the visibility. You know, you got your signature uh, cocktails on tap. The consumer is going to be more aware of it and more likely to order it. Um, those are the two primary. Um, Both of which have benefited me greatly. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the biggest to. things I, I had doing cocktails on draft, and maybe you can talk about it, is how important it is to keep those lines sparkling clean. Well, uh, line, is, line is actually a, a really, really big deal. Um, painfully to, to say, a lot of people who don't do the research are going to use beer parts for cocktails. And uh, in discussion with the manufacturers of these parts, they're like, yeah, our, our parts are only rated for 13% ABV or below. Um, but, you know, since beer rarely crosses that, it's just not common knowledge. Sure. Except so for that uh, Eureka Heights we had earlier, which was like, what? 12.8 uh, yeah, or something. Yeah. That, that beer was, it was close. Except fantastic. For beer, I, I was yeah. like, that was the most delicious mud I've ever drank. So I, I've definitely put higher than 13% cocktails on yeah. a draft system. Like, what changes yeah, if you've got when we're doing that? Well, the, the, the uh, standard beer line that's used is, uh, is a polyvinyl, um, and it will actually uh, degrade. 
under that high alcohol. And by the way, this is totally a shameless me asking you to come look at my B&B cocktail. <laughs> well, just so you know. I, I mean, well, throw some bacon in and I'll be there. Be like, give me your business card and come by. Like. Well, let me just point out, Mark mentioned this earlier, that after being on the show last week, that he had inquiries and, and picking up business. And I just want to say, smoking and toasting, impacting sales oh, yeah. once again. Making people's lives better. That's right. That's what but we the, do. The, the reason That's I what ask we're all about. is so obviously like all of mine are like Heavy proof cocktails. Okay. And so. No. Um, really? <laughs> shocking. But, Surely but, you but just. But one of the things that I, I kind of. Um, th- so the way this all started was uh, at the very beginning of this process of switching everything was I met, um, I don't know if you, Adrian Verdeen in Dallas. He owns a company called uh, uh, Bar Draft. And okay. so they created, I, I was at the San Antonio Cocktail Conference. And I went to a seminar about draft cocktails. I'm like, shit. At the time, I only had two. I had a, basically what we call the Washington Mule, which is a Moscow Mule. Uh-huh. And I had a lavender-infused gin and tonic. And then I sort of evolved those two taps. And then when I got to the point where the owner and myself were like, dude, beer here, it's a, it's a steakhouse. Yeah. I'd rather have fresh amazing bottled canned beers than draft that maybe this draft hasn't been used in three days because you're you're, you're drinking the one crap draft i have yeah like what so like what challenges do you face putting a six percent ib you know ipa on draft as opposed to doing you know a cocktail which after dilution is maybe 17 18 percent what kind of challenges are we talking even with about? dilution yeah. some of mine are like 34. yeah well the the challenges are you know uh are gonna love going to b&b <laughs> biggest challenge is going to come down to the recipe i mean do you want fresh ingredients uh, or do you want uh you no. know to add the mixers afterwards and just have well, the liquor and, and, and that's one thing that i learned from uh, uh adrian and nico martini was was that kind Shout of exact out to nico same yeah dude i love nico and i love adrian but more what i'm getting at is as someone that's just directly pumping like foolproof alcohol through the tap lines uh-huh. constantly and when i say constantly like i, I don't know if you've been to bnb but when they ask me when we when's a good slow night to come in, uh, we're closed on Memorial Day and and Christmas Day, and those are the only slow days we have. So my <laughs> question is that. that place when, is amazing. When you're rocking through the volume that I rock through of keg cocktails, uh huh. What's like because for me, like I I run into issues constantly, and I call AC Johnson and whatever. But like my thing is, when when you're making the keg cocktail and the end product. Like, like, where is that? Uh, is there a balance? Like, okay, don't use fresh fruit juice. Use frozen or whatever. Because they told me cool everything. Yeah, no, it it is. But to, you have to you have to care and maintain it. Care for and maintain it. If you want to use fresh, you need to go through everything you make in less than forty eight hours. Also, you need to either manually rouse on a regular basis or get it, put a system in that will That's rouse. That's my question. How do I clean it? How do you clean head. it? Well, Bleach. you're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna look at the specific ingredients that you're needing to clean and find you know an appropriate cleaner for that. You might actually use Fabulous a wine cleaner. Oil. You might use acidic, or you might use uh, you know a um, a uh, alkaline uh, type. Just depends on 
you know, a lot of you know, what a lot I'm of the, through the yeah, lines. what yeah. what you need to remove. So, so, so uh, I'm assuming that you and I are going to just have a conversation pretty soon. We'll have you're a, gonna we'll have a blast. Oh, yeah, I, and, I, and I know it's a big point of contention <laughs> in the craft cocktail scene, and it's been discussed literally like ad nauseum. And I use that word in the like purest sense possible. I'm tired about reading about it. But do you find a difference in like fresh juice against? say like a clarified juice like is that is that making really that much of a difference coming through those lines um only after uh only really after a time uh, you know a certain time period i find that fresh uh has about a 48 hour window where it's going to start to turn and alter in flavor um when you say fresh fresh goes through the lines or fresh in the keg uh well fresh yeah fresh goes in are all fruit based versus like you know um you know the uh, other yeah, so types but, of but, juice but if I, if, if, <laughs> let's say like i want to alter my recipe in the keg to use roses instead of fresh with simple syrup uh-huh. only for a draft cocktail yeah does that change things not is really it, okay that, yeah that's perfect it, yeah it, it doesn't re- you know if you're using you know, the one thing is if you're if you're gonna put like you know ginger or you know some some kind of something that can clog, you know the system up. Then there's other steps you'll need to take in yeah. order to keep it steeped and prevent it from clogging. Drano clog clears clogs. <laughs> I, I find. I just want to say, Mark uh, Nichols. Like, if you have any trap cocktails, like like I'm about to like ask you to come well, consult for me. he is the man. That's, that's this, the thing. That's why we have no, him on I'm the just show. Telling this you, like, episode like, of Mark When Nichols He Eats is about to come to be brought to you by Quality Draft. I yes. <laughs> well, I cool. just want to say that... Yes. I just want to say that this has been uh, one of the most geeked out segments ever, and I'm so thrilled that we got to host it on Smoking <laughs> and Toasting because it was just absolutely awesome. Just, just, just wait till we get into like it is Frank's all tequila and our brand. Oh, yes, absolutely. But, no, no, no. But I think it's actually all like going to be like a, a line item from here. Line item. That's a uh, that's think, a, a pun. Think, okay, but I'm just ching. looking. You you people but that I'm are on ching. Facebook looking at the camera can't see this, but I think you have like the actual. It's about to get real nerdy. No, like, <laughs> so no, we're like, like go. I, I think it's really important because there's a lot of people that are moving towards draft cocktails for that, just like we talked about, speed of service. It can be... Well, well it's here's, it's here's, not just wait, speed wait, of here's, service. Here's a thought like, to consider, Here's the okay? thing. Hold on. Here's yeah. a thought to consider. You want consistent draft cocktails, and for the for the listener out there, every draft cocktail that goes in your glass... Your like, your lips are basically touching every part of that line. You want it to be squeaky clean. All right, so so let, so let me ask. Like, if you walk into a bar that has draft cocktails, and I think we all agree there are some that do it 100% the right way. There are some that do it as an afterthought and yeah. kind of make money. What kind of things are you looking for when you walk into an account? What for the the consumer at home is going to signify somebody that's doing somebody's it the right doing way? it right, yeah. No bar flies. Uh, yeah, there <laughs> Uh, it's going to everyone sitting around the table is a bar fly. Yeah, <laughs> you know, without the one telltale sign, I guess for a consumer will be if they can, if they can see like uh, you know brassware marks on the faucet. Because uh, other than that, the everything else is going to be concealed, and they're going to know that they're using a metal that's reacting to an element of that cocktail. But you may be able to tell in the flavor and the taste you, of the you cocktail. S- yeah. You can probably tell in the, it depends on how it's how trash. strong the flavors are. A lot of times it'll be it'll be in the undertones, how developed their palate is. There's there's all kinds of uh, 
you know, variables. But yeah, if you're well, if you're having a, a Manhattan <laughs> off a draft and you taste a little banana undertone, something might be a little bit weird. Yeah, well, if you're, yeah, it's banana <laughs> it should not be yeah. one of the undertones. <laughs> no, see, this is why I, I don't have a Manhattan on draft, but I I one thousand percent have a Balvini highball. Yeah, Balvini uh, twelve, which. Well, I, I will tell you at the end of this year it will probably change, but right now it's the 25th anniversary of Balvini Doublewood. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. What kind of so gas good. are you using to press it? Um, I, it's, 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 Just the hot air coming out of Jeremiah. Yeah. Can I take a, me- a second to mention no, how you're really great Highball? carbonating. Hence, we'll talk. Well, if you're going to yeah. go there, Chris, I'll take a Toki Highball. Yeah. That's what I was trying to tell you. Like, I have six draft cards. Let's just make a Highball flight over yeah. there. You so, and I are about I to just, have a conversation off mic. Four or five different That ones. will be amazing. And off mic, it'll be even geekier than this one was, which is awesome. Oh, way geekier. Before we get any further, and we may or may not even talk about this, can I try that 15 that you have over there? Uh, the what? The what? You have a 15 over here, right? No. No, no. no. I don't know what's what happening. What did you what? bring? I have an 18 and a 21. Oh. Well, let me try the 21. Yeah, please. Yeah. 21. <laughs> I'm drinking we're going Blanco there. Now we're getting right to the point where we sort of try so, uh, stuff. Yes. Well, uh, you know, I, I just want to say this is why Mark uh, Nichols and Chris Hart are tied for most appearances on the show. Now, because I'm going to go back and look. These I, are, I'm... Gonna, I think I got more. I think I got a leg up on you. We'll see. I'm gonna go back and count. All right. I'm all gonna right. recount it like it's 2001. I, Four. <laughs> I think I might have the most repeat, repeat. Yeah, but how episodes. many how many places have you represented? <laughs> yeah, Mark Mark wins on that one Fair for enough. sure. Fair enough. I, I legitimately heard about, heard about the show through Jeremiah. Yeah. Like yeah. His first appearance, he sends me like a message on Facebook. He's like, "Dude, I totally shattered you out." And I listened to the well, episode, I, I and he totally like, didn't. But I was like, no, dude, this, this show is going to become very... He lied. Nice. <laughs> no, it did. I All right. So, you know, I listened to that episode on the way to Italy. You didn't say shit. <laughs> so, we... So, <laughs> Frank, you. you brought something for us to taste. And, by the way, sure did. while during the uh, the discussion about, uh, about... About multiple Franks? Yes. Uh, well, no, during the last no, discussion... No, about, about, about your lines. About your oh, lines, yes. yeah. Ian passed around some... Uh, we had one can left of this stone... Oh, that we shotgunned. Uh, idolatrous no, IPA, uh, which is a limited release, 7% yeah, from I, stone. I, I 100%. And, oh, <laughs> my, no this is good. No one said it was 7% good. before I shotgunned. Oh, my, this is good. Well, <laughs> well, it's stone. If we're stone, 7%. That's, 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 that's pretty low. That's stone. Yeah, that's yeah. Stone I was going to say, that's cool. Yeah. Stone light. That's, that's okay. their yeah. That's their light IPA. <laughs> so, but boy, is that a good IPA? That's you delicious. Ninety-six. I love Stone. Stone manages to do an IPA, and I'm not even the biggest fan of IPAs. Like, not my favorite kind of beer. Stone manages to do IPAs so balanced and so wonderful. No matter what they do, even when they do something ridiculously hoppy, it's balanced and awesome. And I'm always impressed by their beers. All right, so Frank, where are we going next? We can go wherever you guys want. To Mexico, well, bro. no, you bought something. You want. You brought I, something along. You wanted us to test. I brought the line of El Tesoro, We could go wherever you like. We had at, uh, the whiskey social. I yes. think you guys may have had a chance to try it. We had the cocktails. Um, you had the cocktails. Yes. So you haven't had the tequila yet. No, not yet. Not well, after, not you guys feel free to grab whatever you want from here to the end of the show. But most importantly, to celebrate y'all's hundredth episode, I actually brought a bottle that uh, is rarely seen, and I kind of want to celebrate with you guys. As That's what we'd love to new try. friends and. Uh, the 70th kind of a anniversary. adventure for me. I've never done. Yes, sir. Would you pass before. that down when you get a moment? So uh, I love to pour. I'm, you guys I'm a little offended. Right. I'm a little offended. He did your show before he did mine. Well, I've you been know, trying to get him on for a month. Chris, you know, we'll we'll well, wrestle show? we'll wrestle about this for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, he wanted he. 
Apparently, he wanted to be on a show that actually gets watched. So <laughs> hey, man, hey man I, I haven't been on I your show. I get his feelings, yeah. Hey, a lot of your shows get watched. You can't judge just by the episode I was on. I've never been invited to your show. Yeah, Man. well, I haven't met you yet. I'm excited. I want. I was so look at the one thing I was looking forward to. The only so thing Jeremiah, you got to pick up your mic, buddy. These are. I'm ready. <laughs> Hand him his mic. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Uh, so if you come on my show. You got to bring the pork belly, though. I need. To, I need to. I'll bring whatever you want right. for me. So I will bring what, you lamb. So what exactly belly. are we tasting here, Frank? Lamb so the uh, Altasaurus 70th anniversary is a uh, seven-year-old extra and yeah, who's been aged. In, a uh, seven-year-old. Ex-bourbon cask. Yeah, so it's nice. seven-year-old. Uh, one thing you guys will notice from uh, what you guys had earlier is definitely going to be the color. Um, so don't be surprised if, if this one is a little lighter than what y'all had earlier. It's almost, uh, I'm looking at it in the bottle, it's almost like a, it has a little green-brown to it. 70th anniversary, seven-year-old extra Okay. Um, so Houston said something pretty smart earlier when I was driving up here from Friendswood, I heard him say uh, to be weary of, uh, of colors and, and brands that may hide the, uh, the agave flair profile that you want to look for. And um, I feel like this one, for being as, as old as it is, you still get a lot of agave You can on smell it well. the agave right off and the top of this big The thing about time. it is, is that at El Tesoro, um, Carlos is uh, reusing these barrels over and over again. So... Um, a lot of times, what you get is a uh, is a lighter color. Obviously, as you can tell, it's got like a bubble gum. Like, what's that sweet? I haven't tried this you yet, don't but get this the influence from the barrel. Bubble, so did you say bubble gum? Yeah, there's there's some of that. This has a sweetness. This is this smells amazing, and it smells like a classic tequila, but more uh, complex. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, there's another thing that I overheard earlier uh, driving up here as well. Is that uh you know a, a big shout out to Patron and thank you for them to create the premium category. Uh, and, 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 and good on them because they had a great program, a great marketing just push. Uh, I used to work for a company, and I heard stories of how they went to market back, and they did a great job, uh, you know, pushing that tequila. But in, in reality, if you're going to look at the history of tequilas and you reach out to a guy named Robert Denton up in Detroit, uh, he'll tell you straight up that the first three tequilas that were imported into the U.S. at 100% agave back in the late 70s, early 80s was El Tesoro, Chinaco, and Herradura. Mm -hmm. So, as far as your first 100% agave premium tequilas go, uh, El Tesoro, Chinaco, and Herradura were leading the pack. This and then everyone else came later on, right in the early 90s when the big agave, 100% agave sure, that boom when, happened. When that became important. So, yes, yes, exactly. So, 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 Mexico nowadays, most nationals, most locals are drinking mixtos. They don't care. So, that's a, that's a thing that I kind of drive home it's as the well. the most as unique. That, you know, for me, I, I drink it all. But you definitely will look for some quality. There are some pretty decent mixtos out there. Okay, so uh, but, yeah, stick to 100% agave. The so great. the so vanilla and pepper in this and the agave right up front mm -hmm. make this an amazing tequila. Like, this is fantastic. So, really so for is. those that are, like, actual, like, tequila nerds, let's go ahead and address, like, the elephant in the room. Like, let's talk about diffusers <laughs> and diffuser Why are production. Why at me? <laughs> I'm right here. I'm uh, uh, so, I 100% I, I for full disclosure, I don't know Tesoro's production methods. I don't so know enough about the brand. I, I will I've drank you. it a bunch over the years. It's sure, fantastic. Sure. So for for to start off with, the, the, the three methods that you can make tequila with or you can cook with is obviously going to be the most traditional method, which is going to be your, your stone or clay, oven, or clay ovens. Um, 
and then you go to the to the process of the of the milling of the agave itself, which you can do with either Tahona uh, stone wheel or mm -hmm. you can do it with a roller mill, which is basically a shredder with uh, steel rollers, I guess you can call. But there's a third way that you can make tequila, and uh, there's a lot of arguments in the industry right now as far as uh, what is better than 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 any than than the other, but. In all reality, the diffuser basically takes an agave and it, it strips 100% of those agave sugars present in it. A tahona will do about 89, 90%, and a roller mill will do about 94 or 95% of the sugars. And the argument there is going to be that by using a diffuser, you're actually pulling out the unwanted sugars or maybe some bitter elements of the plant itself, especially if you don't remove uh, a part of the plant called the cogollo. Um, but, you know, it's, it's everybody's preference. I'm not here to knock on brands. I'm not here to knock on production methods because certainly I represent some brands that may be, may be using some alternate methods. Which is well. also one of the awesome for, things about your brands. Is for, that, yeah, I mean, for full disclosure, everyone. one of the reasons I ask, one of the brands that's within my portfolio, uh, Tequila Herradura, yeah. was one of the early adapters of diffuser technology. So they were. I, I, I really just want this from sort of an aficionado. Like, yeah. you know, when I met Frank, like he came into my bar like, just peddling agave. That's what he did. He became agave Frank before he was whiskey Frank. <laughs> well, before that, and I, I, I actually was when he whiskey got it, Frank. When he got his new position, I literally said, "That's well, I thought fantastic." His new position was a luxury was specialist. Texas, just like he's a specialist in luxury because Frank went to whiskey. <laughs> well. Like, I you will not find somebody more knowledgeable in agave Thank than you. Frank Fernandez. Well, Frank, well, I appreciate that. I mean, I started off at, at, as a whiskey nerd over at Reserve 101 back in the days when we were pouring whiskey and pairing it up with beers. We weren't even in the cocktail scenes about 10, 11 years ago when I was behind the bar. Mike um, went over to, to Republic and, and became the agave specialist over there for about three and a half years. And it's been great, but it's also nice to come back to the world where I represent all types of spirits. Right. So... Right. <laughs> yes, we. Uh, yes, I represent El Tesoro, but I also represent, you know, brands such as Maker's Mark and Beam Nom Creek as well. So, but for this brand right here, Chris, since you don't know much about it. Hashtag uh, I, I like will LaFroy. tell you one thing that's pretty cool about our brand right now is that we're we're riding the wave of success. Carlos Camarena just won Producer of the Year. Wow. Um, the Blanco received the gold medal, the Repo, a silver, and Yeho and the Paradiso also received gold as well. The first three are going to be. Uh, the first one's unaged, the Reposado and Yeho Asian ex-bourbon cast. The Paradiso, which is available, is a five-year-old extra Yeho uh, aged exclusively in cognac casks. Uh, not finished all the way through with cognac. And this bad boy, well, this came out 2007, as you can see, uh, was their anniversary bottle. So the process is for these guys at La Alteña with Carlos Cameron is, is traditional as can be. He's actually trying to live up to what his grandfather did back in 1937. Uh, using a stone stone oven to hone a wheel to mash, fermenting in wood, wood tanks, open air with bagasso, which are the fibers as well. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and he's also distilling with bagasso uh, fibers in the still, which he has three stills, his grandfather's, his father's, and his own. And they all have little nuances, whether it be a shape, whether it be a length of the still. They all produce their individual characteristics, and then they blend. He, he, uh, he, what, I, I, what I think is really important, and, and sorry to cut you no off, worries. and something like I talk about, like ambassadorship at its fundamental level, is like yes, I work for Brown Foreman. My job is to get you to drink Glendronic Benriac and Glenglassa. But luckily, it's good stuff. Uh, uh, but no. these two gentlemen will tell you, there's rarely a single drink that that I will. Yeah, shut the fuck up, Jeremiah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what this gentleman will tell you. 
And this gentleman, because this guy clearly doesn't fit the definition anymore, is is like my job, and just like my, much like Frank's for for many years, is my job is to get you to drink single malt whiskey. Frank's was to educate you about agave and the beautiful notes that that can be. Like yes, I sell three distilleries out of two over out of over two hundred as my livelihood, but my first prerogative is get you to drink single malt whiskey. And Frank, over the years, has been the biggest advocate of agave and just drinking quality agave. It doesn't matter who it comes from, because whether it's one of his brands, whether it's one of my brands, one of those will get you hooked. Yeah, right. there, and, there's a tequila for everyone. There once you have those needles in you, to really educate you and really get you to obsess over it. Absolutely. And Frank is absolutely one of the best in the agave territory. Thank you. And. I mean, maybe. Should we, it, should it, we maybe go ahead and just now trade the, spots? Maybe now in the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I know I want to sit next to Jeremiah. Like, and like know, maybe now yeah. in the whiskey category. But, but that's what it comes down to. When people are talking to you about spirits, think about are they talking to you about that spirit or are they talking about their brand? Right. Because if they're about yeah. their brand, they have. They, an agenda. They have an agenda, they have skin in the game. For someone like right. me, if Not I talk that there's to you anything about, wrong with that. If I talk to you about single malt whiskey, I'll talk to you about every totally one cool. of those you 200 distilleries. Sure, you got to promote your... Like, Frank, oh, yeah. I mean, talk about any agave distillery, any NOM you I'll drink about them all because at the end of the day... he'll educate you and he'll make you happy to drink Yeah, at the end of the day, you got to try them all to learn about them. That's what's most important is that passion for the category more than just a single brand. One of the beautiful things about this job, like from my position on this job, is I get to get you guys in here and tell me your passion right. on this spirit. Oh, and I get to 100%. enjoy it. And I love spirits. I love spirits. I love beer. Uh, one of the things that got me into this whole industry was uh, Glenn Levitt, the basic 12-year-old Glenn Levitt. What a beautiful spirit that is in, in getting you into this is a real whiskey and you're going to enjoy it. And then that, to me, was a breakout to go, okay, well, if this is this good, what else am I going to try? And that's where I went with it. And it took me a lot of years, but I love trying different things. I go in and I try different things. You guys tell me different things. Sometimes you lay product on me, and that's awesome, too. Um, I've, I love that part of it. And my liquor cabinet is expansive and huge, and I love that because I can walk in and go, what do I feel like tonight? And it's right. not one or two bottles. It's 45, 50 bottles, and I get to try something. Every night I get to try something different. I love that whole process of having a wonderful different whiskey or uh, spirit or uh, yeah, and, tequila. And that's what it's it comes wonderful. down to. Like We're here to promote the love of spirits. Absolutely. Right? We all Aquavit. happen to work for, for very different brands. Like, Jer- well, Je- like Jeremiah has relationships with different brands than I do. I work for a different brand than Frank. Absolutely. But if we sit down and we're talking about you know, say Ben Reich versus Glengarry versus Akintoshin, which are two of his brands, I'm the first one to tell you those taste amazing. Mm-hmm. They're different, but they're they're different for very different reasons. And our job is to get you to love these category of spirits and not necessarily like these single bottles. And yes. I think that's an important part of anybody's sort of spirits journey. Well, one of the biggest one of the biggest things that that I've learned in the industry and it, it kind of Brought, came back to mind when I was in Kentucky a few weeks ago. Bill Samuel said it straight. He said, go visit other distilleries while you're here next time in Kentucky because at the end of the day, you got to taste what everybody's producing and, and, and learn different profiles. But in our industry as well, 
at a flip of a dime or a quarter or nickel, whatever, I could be representing Patron tomorrow. You never want to talk bad about brands. You just want to go ahead and just say, let's educate you on the category itself. Well, and uh, also, you can't have a bias because my palate's not like yours. Well, well, and, and, so who's and, to and, say that you would have liked Elvis sure. or just because I'm talking how great you know, I, I, As an on-premise guy, that's exactly what I, I prefer. Absolutely. Like, you got to be honest. I, I want my guy to know, like, the category. Absolutely. Like, it doesn't necessarily matter the, the brand. Like, you, you know, like... Uh, I, you, you and I both know that like there's been plenty of guys that have come into B&B for this brand, and then a month later they're coming in for another brand. Oh, absolutely. Which I don't necessarily care about your brand. Well, and also a lot of guys come into your into your account, and they say this brand is great, this brand is great, and then a month later they represent another brand. Yeah, it, exactly. Like The thing that I tell people, like we do a, we do a peated whiskey with Ben Rieck, 10 Curiositas, which you don't oh, have yeah. here today. In, Unbelievable, it, it, amazing. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It, Curious it's amazing, but it's different. And that's what I always tell people in, particularly in single malt whiskey, nothing's better than another whiskey. They're different. Right. You know, is my that's ben, not true. Is, is my Ben Riek 10 better than Laphroaig 10, which is one of Frank's friends? No, but they're different. You enjoy them in very different ways. And I think that's very important. It's just embracing those, embracing the category, embracing I, single malt scotch. I'm going to bring this around full circle. That's why the whiskey sniff is important because sometimes that's right. I see what you did there, and sometimes yeah. that one smells good. I'm, I'm going to which will be hosted at B&B Bushes. I think I think that there's nothing wrong with saying that something is not your bag. Uh, while at the same time, I will say the Benriac Tin and the Lafroy Tin are complete two are actually two completely different spirits. But there are plenty. Let's say you're not a certain Isla fan, whether it's Punahabin or, or Brooklady versus whatever. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with necessarily saying that you're not, you're not a fan of something. But well, well, no, that, that's fine. But think about how many people come out and they literally say, like, Lagavulin is better than Lafroig. Yeah, those people are silly. That, yeah. that, that's well, any, any definitive statement that's and, based and, off opinion is silly. And anybody that works for a brand will tell you, like, it's not better, it's different. No, that that found, definitive statement I sounds fascist as, to me. As a person yeah. just sitting at a bar sometimes and ordering a whiskey, there's sometimes that guy next to you that goes, Oh, I don't believe you'd put a piece of ice in that whiskey. You're just totally ruining it. Oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm enjoying it the way I want to enjoy it. Oh, well, I, I, you know, I, as me, guys. Jeremiah will tell you a story of when we were at Radio Milano, and one of our cocktails literally had Glenfiddich. Hadrian's Wall, 18 year Hadrian's single malt Glenfiddich. It, it's Glenfiddich 18 year blackberry and fig shrub, little bit of lime juice, little bit of lime bitter, stirred with a nutmeg. And I had so many. Sounds people. like a Christmas drink. I had a ton of it people does. from. Hey, I had doing? people You're walk into that bar from Scotland and be like, "My grandfather would roll over in his <laughs> in his grave." No, your grandfather would drink this drink and rather be happy. than drink this. And I'm yeah. like, "That's great." But you know what Give the truth me $20 is? Twenty dollars and drink it. All right, all right. I'm gonna wrap this whole thing up. Drink it the way you like it. Exactly. 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 Well, and no, if I could just say this, we are the world. <laughs> we are the children. Well, yeah. A prime example. That I Why did you like deliver that Benicos. like Captain Kirk? Maybe I did. He, he even did. at B and B, let's say totally you order, like, Obviously, we have like an exceptional selection of very heavily aged whiskeys. No doubt. Like I have Glenfiddich from its twelve year to its fifty year. I have Balvini from its twelve year to its fifty year. But there are certain ones that speak to people. Right. And and that's the thing. It's like for me, like. I love the one that everyone hates. It's a 15-year single-barrel Balvenie sherry cask. A lot of people are like, it's too bitter. I have that on aggressive. myself, and I love it. it uh, oh, for, for me, it's the, it's the Glenfiddich 15-year. Yeah. The Solera yeah. Reserve. The Solera Every cask. time I have that, 
I'm offended at how good that whiskey is. Oh, the Solera? It's ridiculous yeah, how good that whiskey it's is. Absolutely. Yeah, but, I agree. Uh, but my, but my thing is, if you're into spirits... Like, and the right, Cesaro, like, like 7th Anniversario, is amazing. We are the ones that make a brighter right. day, so... Let's start Thank Chris Morris. He just keeps going with it. He's not letting us go. Uh, this is a perfect place. I know there was more we wanted to do, more we wanted to talk about, but Can I we feel talk like about Brandy? this is a perfect place to wrap the show. Can we talk about Brandy off the show? Please. Oh, we sure. 100% I'm, I'm sure. Like okay. Start with the, the Armagnacs. We'll, we'll, do it, we'll do it off the show. He's wrapping we'll do it up. Off, we'll do yeah, it I'm off the show. We're, we're on hour 17. <laughs> yes, hour 17. And, this uh, is uh, episode 95, like... Uh, Clearly, you can split this so up into a six-part episode. With props to Joe Rogan, the uh, long podcast <laughs> master, uh, we want to say uh, thank you so much to everybody who was a part of this. This has been the best show. This has been the best show Incredible. ever. I've been and I've been telling you for a long time that a long-format rant of of us telling you, table. No, it's, no, you're it's, so it's right. hundred percent the best. It's the best thing. No one will you're watch so it, right. but we'll enjoy the hell out we'll of it. We should <laughs> just uh, keep doing that. Uh, and things. please, by the Balmeray, uh from Garrison Brothers, just because of its direct connection. When does it hit? To uh, it's actually available in specs, uh, Class Bs, um, Total Nobody, Wine Spirits. The, the, the common folk don't know what Class Bs mean. Uh, so you can buy this at specs. Uh, you can buy it at Total Wine and Spirits, but the Balmeray. Please buy this. It, it absolutely directly affects a very, very close to Texas thing. Awesome. And, and Glendronic affects my rent, so buy that. Right. Yeah. And El Tesoro. Also, also it's Texas. delicious. Anything Beam Centauri, guys. Dan, I got a daughter to pay for. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, Dan Garrison told me to give you this check real quick. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, oh, Dan, oh. So I want to tell you two things. Whiskey Sniff, October 10th. October 10th. More details are coming, and it's going to be... The first and most amazing uh, event first of many. for smoking and toasting. And then the second thing I want to tell you is that now that we are past our landmark 100th show, and by landmark I mean really, really long, uh, <laughs> what we are excited to announce will be debuting soon in the next few weeks on smoking and toasting is a brand new, and it's in a segment that we're really proud of and very, very excited to, to tell you about. It's called Puppet Smoking Cigars, and that will be coming up soon on Smoking and Toasting. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. And I know everybody has something still left, so uh, if not, there's plenty more you can fill from. Gentlemen, cheers Cheers. and love you you guys so much. Cheers. 100 episodes. Sponsored by B&B Bushes. (laughs) Is it over? I just have a quick question. Uh, are we doing Facebook? Are, are, are we still on? We're still on. I don't know what to ask this question. There. Okay. So I was going to ask what comes after puppets doing cigars. Is it dogs doing coke? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Puppies doing coke. Dude, my dogs are so down for that. Uh, oh, gentlemen, thank you so much. Oh, my God. Um, What's the dog called? Was that? The, 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 the famous dog that insults something that...